This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 330. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Up on this episode we are continuing our look at the Children of the Corn franchise as part of this Russian Roulette series. This is the second of three planned episodes. The finale, concluding the franchise proper, will drop next week. On this episode, though, we'll be covering the middle ground of the season, the the Miramax years, as I like to call them, as we look at Children of the Corn 4, 5, and 666. That's right, this franchise was ballsy enough to have its sixth one entitled 666. You know, Satan, Satan, Satan. Um, And I love it for that. I don't necessarily love the movie, but the cojones on any franchise to do that is, is kind of awesome. It's up there like when they released that Omen remake on, what was it, the 6th of June 2006. So it was 060606, which, I mean, once again, you just got to sit there and go, let's <laughs> see what you did there. Anyway, that's coming up. Three phenomenal guest hosts joining me to run through these movie reviews. Very much looking forward to you guys checking them out. The rest of the week is kind of breezy, if I'm honest. We're back on Saturday with the next of the Gamera box set. It'll be Gamera versus Baragon with myself and Derek Bourgeois. And then, of course, into Sunday, 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 when we do the 50th and potentially last entry in the 88 Films Slasher Classic series. So we'll be concluding that off and putting that one to bed for a wee while. On the Tea Putts Collective for all y'all out there, um, I think next week we're bringing you an episode of Chronicle and we'll also be bringing you down the nasty and fingers crossed before Christmas Opera Omnia, but scheduling looks like that's going to trip maybe into next year, which ain't a bad thing, ain't a bad thing. I'm enjoying my Fincher conversations with Oran still, so if it trips out next year, I ain't going to lose sleep over that because we've got two movies left to do before we take a short month's break and then returns with a brand new series, much shorter uh, series for season four, um, but uh, a director I'm very excited to talk about, so you've got all that to look forward to as well. Let's get into this, shall we? I'm going to take a short break just now. You're going to hear promos for shows I love. You're going to hear the sounder and then the trailer for Children of the Corn Part 4. I'll be joined with my guest right after this. This is Michael Caine, a award-winning film actor you may know from such cinematic achievements as A Muppet's Christmas Carol and Jaws for The Revenge, where I played a character named after a fucking sandwich. I approve of the following promotional message. Do you like movies? Well, of course you do, you silly twit. You're listening to a movie podcast right now. Do you like podcasts about movies? 
I mean, if you're listening to this, your life is empty and without direction. So of course you do. Why not continue the spiral downwards with... They must be destroyed on sight! Yet another semi-regular podcast about film that will occupy some of that empty space in your soul. We cover every genre, but focus on a lot of obscure and cult films with a leaning towards exploitation. If you want a podcast that's going to talk about a silent film from the 1920s one week and a sleazy biker film from the 1960s the next, and then back to something like Singing in the Rain, the next episode, they must be destroyed on sight. Maybe for you. So tune in and join regular hosts Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romani, and Lee Hardy, as well as the odd guest hosts at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you, Drive Through. solve its mysteries. Whatever happened to my boy, it's going to happen to him. Now, the secret of the force behind the terror will be revealed. Children. Children of the Corn Four, the Gathering. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So here we go. We're back at it again for your listening pleasure. Um, we're doing another one of these Children of the Corn movies because it's a Russian roulette franchise retro, which means we're doing all of them. All 11 movies, that's including one prequel. Um, <laughs> this is Children of the Corn Part 4, a.k.a. The Gathering. Joining me on this episode because he had his name plucked from a bowl. Where he may have actually... The thing about this is, I had more names than I did movies. So some people were upset that their names were not drawn from the bowl. And trust me, having watched quite a few of these movies, you got off lucky. You saved yourself. Go and enjoy your life. However, someone who didn't get off so lucky, or maybe he did, I don't know, we'll find it his views, is my good buddy Derek. How's it going? It's been a while, Duncan. <laughs> Duncan's you know, he's like, oh no, he's uh, from Boston, the same state as Stained. Uh, Fuck. No. Uh, I only like it when we sing Creed on this show, you know that. Um, so, There's no Creed in this movie. There, no, there should have been. <laughs> if ever there was a franchise crying out for... For Creed, it's Children of the Corn, surely. I don't understand. It's a missed trick. I think someone has missed a trick there. Um, before we get in to chat about this movie, let me get some history of you with this franchise. Um, 
Is this a franchise you've went through before? Is there gaps in the knowledge? And when would it have been the first time that you watched part four? Actually, a few years ago, because I remember mm. my good buddies at uh, the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror <laughs> did a whole wild journey on their own of this franchise. Of course they did. This is why JP bigged this up to me. It's all making sense now. <laughs> Plus, I actually... I, you know, this is how old back, uh, this is when like a lot of the Dimension and Miramax movies went mm -hmm. to like Echo Bridge Entertainment. And they had a Blu-ray set of three, four, five, and six on one Blu-ray disc. Oh, but... <laughs> yeah, yes. To show you how cheap Echo Bridge is and mm -hmm. hasn't changed because there's been re-releases from different companies and it's the same one Blue Rictus. Oh god. Uh, yeah, they did the same with like the Hellraiser movies. They even skipped yeah. one. They they they're like, fuck that movie, we're leaving that off Blu-ray. <laughs> you know. But uh Yeah, uh I was in you know I like it. There's some ones better than others, and mm -hmm. then there's some that are like, eh, it's a movie. But then there's some that are like fucking like you want to gouge your eyes out. It's yes. like that scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark where you know you're all your face is melted because of what's yes. inside the Ark of the Covenant that you witnessed that this movie exists. Uh, which spoiler alert for Part Five? Wow. But, uh, that's 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 up next. That's up next. Um, I have the the dubious pleasure of watching part five and uh, bringing back Jerry Heron back to the world of the podcasting for that one. And I kind of wish that you know you got a better movie. Uh, he might like it. Do I don't know. This is the this is the weird thing about this is I he did pick Hatcher three. He did pick Hatchet three, and we will never let him forget that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's sticking with him from now on. He's a Hatchet three guy. I, I mean. People will have already heard the the reviews thus far. Um, I I don't know what I think. I don't have the nostalgia for that first movie that I think a lot of people have. Um, and I remember seeing it when I was younger. And the the next two sequels, I'd only seen for the first time when I did the. 88 films <laughs> slasher classic collection which had the the first three movies and even then that first movie was starting to kind of lower in my estimation um this time round that you know it's, it's not stood up well for me but that third installment which i know like you guys were all buzzing about in that chat and you were all high on life about it and i was like it was all right and I watched it this time through, and I fucking loved it. <laughs> it's like, and I don't know if that's because it's like the Child's Play two of the Children of the Corn. I was gonna say it's like the Hellraiser three. Yes, it's it's one hundred percent. This is what this franchise should be. Then it ends as a giant monster movie. <laughs> it ends with a giant claymation monster eating a puppet, and I am yes. I couldn't. It was it shades of Winter Beast. It made me like so fucking happy. And I'm like, just that, right, you found your mojo franchise, let's just keep going. And boy, was I deflated and unimpressed that we've just like 180'd right back to, let's do it, let's do kids in the corn again. And I'm like, oh, no, we had something, we had something. Um, and we've just kind of reverted back. 
the the baffling thing about this one is the cast like once again this is very early in our hollywood career we have naomi watts um who's probably the best thing in this um to be honest and we'll get to in a second but it, like i don't want to be in a position where i dislike a movie that karen black's in i love karen black um and i'd like i don't want to give my cards away or anything like that it's not a good movie um but yeah, your name was drawn against it, and we should do some details, and then we should get into the nitty gritty on this one. But uh, let's let's start by saying this is directed by Greg Spence. Now, according to IMDb, Greg Spence has done a ton of production stuff. He's only directed two things: <laughs> two straight to video sequels. He did Children of the Corn Part Four: The Gathering and The Prophecy Two from 1998, which I have seen. And I, The Prophecy, might be a future Russian roulette franchise retro. That might happen. That might happen. I do love me some walking, even though he abandons it. Um, so that's Greg Spence. He does a lot more producing work. Uh, the cast, like I said, Naomi Watts, uh, Jamie Rennie Smith, Karen Black, Mark Sailing. Uh, we have Brett Jenkins, Tony Marsh, Louis Flanagan III, Brandon Kalaya, William Wyndham, Sally Ellis, um, Marriott Marich, Jonathan Patterson. Joshua Patterson, Key Bauer, and some other folks. Ain't really ain't worth spending much time on that. Uh, synopsis. The only, the, oh, oh, I was just going to say, the only guy that I recognize is the guy who awakens the evil kid. Evil gonna, kid. Yeah. It's the fucking dude who played like older Matt Damon and Saving Pride and Ryan. Oh, fuck, is it? Yeah, and he's in The Devil's Rejects. <laughs> I mean, not the, the House of a Thousand Clubs. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Fuck's sake, man. <laughs> Jesus. Um, synopsis for this one, slightly longer, so I've had to click through. This one has been done by Parsi Motum, who goes under the, <laughs> the email icy underscore shadow at rocketmail.com. You know, this is going to be Rocket a good one. Rocketmail! <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, it's one way out job was here. Um, the synopsis here is. All the kids in a town overnight become feverish and have convulsions. So we're just skipping shit and going right into exposition later on. Um, all the kids in the town overnight become feverish and have convulsions. The next day, they start to become evil, changing their names to those of kids killed long ago and then start killing any adult on their path in vicious and mysterious forms. A young woman who has just returned to town tries to find out what is happening while trying to predict her transformed younger sister however the kids are starting to revive their leader um <laughs> right let's let's just let's just ask the questions you are all my children now it's so many cliches in one fucking movie man it's so many cliches um right first question derek what does children of the corn part for the gathering do well I, I kind of like the idea of the story of the movie. You know, uh, I like that it kind of tries to be its own thing without, you know, because in later sequels you get like, he who walks behind the rose like 4,000 times. Yeah. You know, you know, and it's like, it's trying to do its own thing and it, it's the killer kid movie, but it's different. It's not like 
you know, a cult of kids. It kind of borrows the escapades of like something like a village of the dam in the sense where like mm-hmm. a like a plague or like some mass event happens to all these kids after this evil is awoken and takes over them pretty much. Mm-hmm. You know, I I kind of like the idea that you know uh, maybe we'll get into some aspects of the film later that that I don't agree with how this movie is portrayed. <laughs> But uh, I, I do like the actual idea of the story in this one. They try to do something a little bit different than your usual ki- Children of the Corn movie, you know. But isn't that what you're paying for? You know what I mean? If you're like, you know what I mean? If you're, it's a weird one because I was trying to think about this. My general gripes with part two and part six because I've not watched part five yet. My general gripes with that is that they essentially don't stray too far from the path, right? So the second movie, we're basically doing the same thing again, but we're just doing it in the next town over. And part six, we're coming back to essentially resurrect the the thing that happened there before. So like, part of me sits here and thinks, right, it's, it's, it's kind of cool that we're playing with a different mythology to an extent, but, but... I'm trying to be positive because this is the positive section here, right? I'm with you. I think in principle, the idea of doing a shake-up makes sense. The idea of doing, you know, like something bad happened to some kids and their souls are, you know, have been transferred into a new generation of children is kind of cool, but then just make it the kids that died from the first movie. You know what I mean? Instead of like... Well, you know what I mean, what, what would do, at that point, that's where I'm just like, what would like, so pro- another group of random kids just happen to have shit done to them in the corn and it's like Candyman, we're coming, oh, what, what are we doing? <laughs> like, well, this makes sense, Duncan, because as you know, no, this is like uh, the beginning of the Weinstein era mm-hmm. of like these movies. Oh, yeah. Where they got more involved. And, uh, so much masturbating know, in plant pots ahead of us right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, what they did with this franchise and the Hellraiser franchise for a lot of it was take scripts that were given to them mm-hmm. that were shelved for years and they're like, hey, let's make this a Children of the Corn movie. Hey, let's make this a Hellraiser movie. You know, it's like, let's keep the rights longer. You know, they make yeah, another but, one of these. Like, if that if that's the case, though, I don't... I, like, this is the bit... These are the bits that frustrate me. If that's the case, like, just, like, with minor little tweaks... To the script, you can say, "Well, this is a resurrect. This is a resurrected, you know, soul of Isaac. Malachi's, you know, inhabiting this kid. You know, just use the like replace the like. We're just introducing a whole lot of bullshit mythology, which will mean nothing when this movie finishes because the next movie isn't going to carry it on. So at least no, I don't think no. it does. Um, like, but it's not going to no, carry it goes it back on. to the so well, technically also." I was reading some. They actually did have some things to connect it to the original, where the Josiah character was going to be called, because well, they cut out a scene where like he had another name, mm. what the children called him, and guess what that name was? He who walks behind the rose. See, once again, I like the, in principle, I like that, but then that to me denotes that this thing has always corrupted children for longer than the first movie which there was no evidence of that so is is this sort of stuff that like 
I know I'm trying to find sense in something which is senseless, which is made purely, to, like you said, you've, you've hit the nail on the head here. This is purely a, this will retain the rights to this franchise so we can keep making money off it and all we need to do is spin up one of these cheap movies, because they're cheap, cheap movies every other year. We keep those rights and we can take pre-made scripts that are written for other movies and a bit of tweaking, a bit of this, a bit of that, you know what I mean? We've got a new Children of the Corn movie. I just... It, it becomes there's a there's a point like I say had part three in my eyes not done everything as well as it did I I would maybe be a little bit more forgiving on this one but this to me like right from the off just feels even the production value just feels like we are taking a big old step back and I don't know if that's well let me talk about positives because I'm I'm instantly coming in with negatives here. Um, like I said, I think Naomi Watts is real fucking good in this. You can clearly see this is a talented actress here because she is, she's acting. <laughs> like, she's surrounded by people that are overacting and she is acting. And I like that. I think the limited time we have Karen Black on screen, she's good as well. But, I mean, those are givens. You know, one of them went on to, to have a hugely successful Hollywood career still does and has worked with like a, a murderer's role of some of the best directors on the planet and the other one is a darling of genre cinema and had been for decades before so those are like to me that like we're bringing in a bit of clout we're bringing in a bit of pedigree to an extent or up and coming pedigree and those things work for me the rest of the performances not so much but we're focusing on the positives there are a couple of effects in this that i think work really really well i think the the idea of us kind of we're now these kids apparently have telekinetic powers um okay right so and they do that stuff relatively well i mean those effects don't look horrendous by kind of 2021 standards so i think that's okay um and it's run times quick. I mean, this movie, you take off credits either side. This is an hour and 15 minutes, and that's a that's a movie I will sit down and watch. Um, but that's my list of positives. I don't know if you have any other positives, so you want to link on to anything I've said. No, I like some of the like the nightmare logic shit that happens. I mean, it's kind of like foretelling, though. It's kind of repetitive. Like, I like the first few of them, but then it, it does get kind of repetitive. That's what you call I think I... I I do like Naomi Watts in this movie, you mm. know. You know, this is pre Naomi Watts where she's now married to the car and weary. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But uh we have to bring that franchise up again somehow. Oh, somehow. But, uh, we'll always we'll always come back to it. <laughs> why cotton? Did we cry for cotton? But no, but uh <laughs> you know, I, I actually like some of the sudden shots too. You know, it's corn but in fields, but I kind of like, you know, it were some of the lighting of those shots was kind of okay for what this movie was. Uh, mm -hmm. Didn't seem too bad compared to some other like made the TV movies like uh, that I would see. Like if uh, this does feel like a TV movie, but it does have some interesting like kills in it, like that mm. fucking one kill that that one dude in the beginning, fucking Private Ryan. There. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was like, oh, oh, you know. But, you know, overall, yeah, they do shot it. It's very cheap looking in that sense. But, yeah, we're just going to get into negatives now, I think. So, 
yeah, yeah. what does it not do well then <laughs> it's kind of bland i do agree a lot of the other characters feel hokey more like they're in like a made for tv movie while yeah. naomi watts is kind of acting her mm. ass off in the role and that kind of settles there some of the kid performances are terrible too like the the, the fucking black dude son yeah. he's fucking Ugh. you know he's like hey what's going on yo he's like uh you know and there's all this weird subplot where he's hemoglobin i'm like what yeah <laughs> you know and, the, and it's kind of goofy and this is kind of retarded but i love how they all of a sudden you the secret weapon against these killer kids is mercury oh mercury bullets is the funniest fucking that doesn't work like I like we but, don't you you can't readily buy ammunition in Scotland because you know guns are prohibited over here. Yeah. Um, but the idea of yeah we'll just have a mercury infused shotgun shell, and that's the thing that'll work. No, it won't. <laughs> it's fucking absolute. Just make it a silver bullet. I don't, this stuff drives me up the fucking wall. Like just make it a silver bullet. Like, at least ground it in something that the audience sees. As soon as you start adding Mercury to it, I'm just like, oh, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, feed them, feed, them a, like, feed them, like, sushi. <laughs> like, it's high contents of fucking Mercury and tuna. Like, give them that. <laughs> like, make them a tuna sandwich and watch them. Uh, like, I just, it's so silly. And the idea that this guy's just going to readily have these bullets around is just fucking nonsense. Yeah, he's like fucking MacGyver all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah where did he get the bit? All right, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, we're not gonna go down there. Like, and, what, and is Mercury pink? What the fuck was that shit in the hospital? That I have no idea. I have no idea. Mercury is supposed to be grey, um, but I have like I genuinely at this point, it, like, could just make up anything. Um, Hell, Mercury, Mercury could create giant mutant beers, and it could also kill evil children demons yes yeah like see if the prophecy bear had showed up i would oh, be overjoyed I would be... 10 out of 10 out of... <laughs> the whole movie could be shit until that moment <laughs> best movie ever but yeah. we, we, we did we didn't get that we get we get the kind of like you mentioned before this kind of foreshadowing like these dream sequences about this kind of the leader they're trying to resurrect right why doesn't karen black like know that she's not gonna die <laughs> Yeah, she still dies. Yeah, I, I mean, this is this is the stuff that it just kind of feels like there's there's set pieces for the movie, but the story that connects it just has no attention paid to it. So as long yeah. as they hit these beats at these moments and get their big set pieces for their effects or whatnot, the rest of the movie will kind of sort itself out. And I feel that. Because this isn't the most egregious. Like I've, like I said, by this point, I've already seen part six, which is utter dog shit. Um, but I'm watching. Did you get the revelation? Oh, don't even honestly. Um, oh my good god. The yeah, but that's not even the worst thing. I am led to believe um, that it doesn't even connect. Like so, we spend so much time talking about. I'm giving away everything on the wrong review here, but. There's a there's a passing of the torch, so to speak, um, in part six. That's how it finishes. Like it finishes like fucking, it finishes like Terminator. Like, 
Please, you're fucking carrying like a like a driving down the mountain in a lightning bolt. Yeah, like the village, like she's got the like she's she's carrying something inside her that's gonna change the world. And then I'm led to believe that part seven just starts a new story. It's this shit that drives me fucking mad, right? That it works in a Hellraiser movie because. It's all based around the box, right? And that box can be anywhere and opened by anyone and can do anything, right? So at that point, right, fine. If there's no continuity there, we can set in any time period. Like, the, this, and I'm not saying it has to have it, but, like, when you start setting up stakes on the level that these movies do, and then you end on cliffhangery moments or moments that feel like they're going to lead to the next installment of a movie and then that doesn't happen it kind of it not only cheapens it especially when the same studio is involved but it becomes a frustrating watch i think one of the biggest issues i have overall with this movie is if the corn isn't here so if this isn't set with cornfields around and farm buildings and this is set let's even say it's in the projects or you know it's uh, like somewhere anywhere else is this a children of the corn movie no so like you know what i mean it's just killer kids it's possessed killer kids um, killer kids from <laughs> outer space you know what i mean so it's it's that that to me is just cynical it's just such a cynical thing well you know we have to do this uh, and part three like i say part three i forgive even though the logistics of i'm gonna just plant some like ears of corn out the back in this abandoned building and it's just going to be called these corn roads. You know, like, dude, like, dude, you watch part three and then watch Weird Al's Amish Paradise. It's the perfect viewing <laughs> experience ever. You know, you know, you know, yeah, Children of the Corn 3, Charlize Theron gets eaten by a giant kaiju monster at she, the end. She does, by a, a plasticine <laughs> monster and that makes me fucking happy. Um, but yeah, I think that's, like, I think... Like my biggest my biggest issues with this movie, like overall, are that the story is like the story on It's paint by numbers dry. It is, yeah. It's it's paint by it's paint this is to me the first one where it feels like we can cookie cutter a children of the corn movie. I can let off the second movie for basically just doing a lot of the same thing again because it's the direct sequel that's what you do in a direct sequel you basically remake the first movie because that's the one that was successful yeah and but just add a bunch of wizard of oz puns oh dude and then like it, you know is it is it a, like a native american curse or something like that end sequence with the the you know the tribesman spirit like standing on a stream and disappearing into nothing is fucking bullshit fuck that movie right and then like but you know what i mean it's like and that never comes back we're never going to link it back to anything again so why, why even why even bother and this one is the first one that feels egregiously like this is how we do a children in the corn movie this is cookie cut we can roll these out every year which apparently they were doing um and we can just churn them out and as a result <laughs> of that i just feel that we there's not there's no real to me there's no stakes in this movie either you know what i mean there's not an abundance of adults that are being killed off like in the previous ones like yeah. you know, all that's this is a minimal cast um and the kids all appear to have superhuman fucking powers so i mean at this point 
It's like a it's like a village of bright burns. You know what but, I mean? It's like Then you like, find out Naomi Watts is the worst mother ever. Yes. Oh god. Like and then that reveal and I'm like, what was, what was my she was the only thing that was good about this movie. Why are we doing this now? Um but she has to step up and be a mother. So that's her character arc. No, her character arc is she's giving up a year of of like learning to come home and look after her mother. That's her, like, she's already defined as a good person, then we're going to make her a piece of trash. I just, dude, honestly, and then, and that, that, that's the frustrating thing, because out with that, once again, this is a movie that owes a bit to Hellraiser. Um, it's just the studio, obviously, that's involved in, like, they're making, they're churning them all out about the same time. But there's no great standout, like, villainous performance here. Like, none of the kids are particularly well-acted. You mentioned it before. Even the main one, the one that's going to be written, like, he is... He's not a great actor, so we don't even have The one that, that. looks like the, the the fucking dude from Harry Potter's sidekick? Yes, yes, he does, like Ron Weasley. Um, he's, yeah. like, he's got... No, he's, there's nothing about him that's particularly charismatic or engaging, so I don't understand why all these kids are rushing around to resurrect him. Whereas in the previous ones, even the second one, which I don't like, the main, you know, possessed child has a bit of charisma, because that's how you get people to follow you, is where, through charisma. Um, so, I, I just feel like this one particularly is the first one where I was just like, oh, we've just dropped the ball. And... No one cares. Yeah, you know I mean, this one feels like a movie that no one really cares about, except Naomi Watts, and it's because she was needing a payday, and this is early in her career, and she understands that she has to do these movies in order to land a The Ring remake or a Mulholland Drive, or eventually a whole third season of Twin Peaks. You know what I mean? Like, there's the kind of there, there feels to me a bit of. I thought you were gonna say Cotton Weary's dick. Uh, well, she like, well, I mean that. But I mean, do we even need to mention his dick? I mean, whew, whew. Cotton man, R.I.P. R.I.P. You'll be sorely missed that that mainstay of collectively five minutes in the first two movies. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I think that's I think that's my, my my big issue about this one was. I mean, it flew in. I'll give it that. I I wasn't looking at the. I wasn't looking at my watch during it. It flew in. But as a painfully slow movie, and that cinematography you were talking about, we have beautiful shots of corn here, but everything has this horrible sepia Instagram filter over it that yeah. I just... I, I'm like, it's a wash that's over it that I just don't like. Um, and it takes away... But the sim track is... Is it memorable at all? I, I can't even remember the theme. Um... And then, like, two days later... Is there music I, in this movie? Well, this is what I'm thinking, you know what I mean? It's so unremarkable and unmemorable. It's, so then you're kind of left with some of the special effects, which, is, like I said, I, I quite enjoyed. But, yeah, I mean, that is... It bummed me out, man. It really, really, really did. I, I come yeah, off that third off one high on life. And that third one is... I like I, I would like that that's the one where I was like that this is what I want this is the one where I feel like we get everything right interestingly enough not set in the countryside uh, or rural America set in urban America and we've managed to get this thing working here which is why it made me think of um Hellraiser 3 
Uh, but then I watched this and I'm just like, oh, why? Why? Yeah. I don't like being like this. <laughs> I really don't like being... I, I hate watching things that just, like, frustrate me and infuriate me. And I'd like... I'd like you said, like, there are... And I've not got to them yet, but there are clearly worse entries than this, which is... Yeah. That's yeah, giving me concern. <laughs> well, I have a funny story about Par 5 that... You know, since I'm not going to be on that movie, I think I should talk about it right now. Go for but, it, dude. Uh, let me know. Let me know, because it's coming up right uh, after this, so... All right, so we were in a, a rental... I think it was a blockbuster. It was definitely, like, a, a, a one of those big chain rental places mm -hmm. when I was younger. And then we were renting the movies. We were, like, looking at horror movies with my older cousin. And all of a sudden, my sister was with us, I think, and it's like, yo, can we rent Children of the Corn 5? My cousin's like, what the fuck? They made five of these? <laughs> and it's like the, it's like that uh, that terrible flown heads cover that's probably going to be on the poster art somewhere oh, on one of dude. these thumbnails where it's fucking awful and, you know, Alexis Arquette's on it. And, what? Like, uh, I, I remember, like, the, the whole reason we're doing this series is a conversation I had with JP where he mentioned if I ever did Children of the Corn as a Russian roulette franchise retro, he wanted on that. And I was like, there's about five of them, or is there not? And he's like, oh, no, 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 there's more than that. There's like ten. And I was like, no, there's no, there's there's ten of these? There, there are ten of these. And we're at the fourth one, and I already feel like I, the idea well has run dry. Um, and it's full of bugs. Um... Yeah, I'd like. Um, let's 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 transition on. Let's transition away from these yeah, negative thoughts, right? Let's say you, Derek, are given the keys to the kingdom of a, a Children of the Corn franchise. You're doing part four. You're doing the gathering. How do you fix this? How do you fix this, or do you just burn it down and just go in a completely different direction? What do you think? Because you said uh, you liked elements here. How would you fix this movie? I would I would explore more with uh, building on the Josiah character, mm -hmm. make him a little more hyped up, and make the final confrontation more impactful and stronger. In that sense, I think, yeah, you can still have a lot of the other stuff with the kids and the you know getting all the fevers and shit too, and like that in this. Mm -hmm. But film it without that Instagram filter because it does age the movie on this. And, you know, make some of the other characters more impactful and have them go, too, you know. Instead of, like, being introduced and killed, you know, like, who is this black lady that's helping Naomi watch right now? I don't mm -hmm. even know who she is, you know. I think there's a lot that could be done with this kind of story, with it being like a Children of the Corn sequel, but its own thing as well. But just build on it in its own aspect. It kind of be kind of like a multiverse thing, and, you know, would have been even better. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of going back to San Francisco, we're like, we're just going to the next town over. What's it called? Gatlin. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. Like, there's a lot of, like you said before, that like the, the kind of plus points for me is that it is trying to start a new mythology of some sort. And I just kind of feel like the new mythology they're starting isn't that far removed from the old one. So just do yeah. the old one. But if you want to do a new one, then let's really get into it. Like the elements that Children of the Corn has always kind of skirted around, maybe never fully committed to, is this kind of Wicker Man-esque idea 
of, you know, it's the, you know, it's the parents' fault that, you know, the, I, we were talking about this, like, on that first, um, the first review where I was doing it with Baz, and we were talking about if you were going to reboot Children of the Corn now, you could totally use this kind of, this, the, the, the kind of Gen Z movement now for, like, ecology and the environment, and really double down on that, you know, like, your, your parents and their parents have fucking destroyed the, you know, the, the ozone layer, climate's all fucked, um, and, you know, to, like, basically bring it back to nature and kind of, like, like, you could totally do something like that, ground it in events that are kind of more pertinent without even necessarily the need for something supernatural. And I kind of feel like that would make it scarier. Like, in this one here, the idea of... It's kind of like, because the, the kid's born for witchcraft or whatever fucking bullshit here. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it's just nonsense. Um, in a cornfield as well. I, you know, and this is what this is what's coming back. Like, I think even, even the idea of someone... Like, the kid's just coming across that story are growing up with that story and deciding just to take matters into their own hands and being evil little bastards, I think is better, but it needs to happen quicker in the movie. This movie spends a long time setting up the... It's it is like the, You mentioned it, it's the Hellraiser thing. It's like Pinhead yeah. can only be in this movie for five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah, and in this one, we get the resurrection of the, the, the kind of villainous Josiah character really for about five minutes and it's mostly towards the end out with kind of these dreams so uh, let's lean into that you know what i mean the other movies we had the villain all the way through why are we waiting to the fucking end in this movie because he's not fully developed he's not developed he has an the allergy to lied. mercury yeah it's <laughs> the soul of the girl who lies. Oh, She's my daughter. She's my sister and my daughter. That was my sister daughter. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> right. Um, okay. Like you have to take a position of either recommending this movie or not recommending this movie, and pick a scene from it that would justify your stance. Would you recommend Children of the Corn for the Gathering to someone that hadn't seen it? No, no. No, even though I do kind of enjoy it mm -hmm. for some weird reason, I don't know. It's kind of nostalgic for me. This one, in some sense, where you know, I was like, after watching like Isaac's, I think I watched fucking Isaac's Return. And I'm like, oh, this is fucking awful. <laughs> well, you knew it was going to be bad because it wasn't just part six; it was part six, six, six. Yeah, that's true. You know, Stacey Keach was wasted in that movie. Oh, dude, but, uh, he, is, he is he is fucking awesome in that movie. He's one of the few things where I was like, yeah, let's just break it. Uh, yeah. it's, it's Nancy Allen's in that movie as well, which is nuts. Like, I just want to know the casting room that come up with that combo. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, how do they cast these movies? Like, I know you know, Fred Williamson and David Carradine in part five. Like, mm -hmm. what? Well, I've still watched no, I, part five. Like, D Darren told me in part five who was in, uh, in for part six who was in part five. And I I sat shocked. <laughs> like, I was like, that's not, I'm like, that's not a cast list for a real movie. And he's like, it is. 
and then I was watching. Yeah, part, I was like, part. like it came out like a, like a couple of years before, like Kill Bill. And I'm like, is this what David Carradine was doing before Quentin Tarantino plucked yeah. him from obscurity again? Yeah, it's it's weird when you look at some of the later ones too, like Michael Ironsides and Revelation. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, there's something about the the like yeah. that. Like, I think actually, if you look. I'm going to make a bold statement here. I think pound for pound, there's more recognisable, established actors that have been in Children of the Corn franchise movies than any other franchise. It's so, it's so weird. Like, even Billy Drago's in Part A. Oh, I can't wait, like, man. I, can't, I actually yeah. physically cannot fucking wait for that. It's going to be yeah, amazing. You know, the, the best cameo so far, though, is the guy from Ghostbusters who played the priest in Part 3. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, it's absurd. I wouldn't pay that amount. Yes, I wouldn't pay that. Um, right, I'm I'm joining you. By the way, I'm not recommending this movie. I think. Yeah, the scene. I was gonna say the scene. I would say yep. is just the whole fucking, you know, that jump scare of the fucking weird Amish kid. Like, oh, yeah. Any of them during like any of the dream sequences. Yeah. Annoying as fuck. You show up with a shotgun with mercury shells. I'm telling you, don't watch this movie. Um, like you do not watch it yeah I'd, I wouldn't recommend this one I would even say even if you were someone who like were, was actively going through the Children of the Corn franchise and you'd watch part 3 you were doing them in order I would say stop at part 3 I, I can't say that for the remaining ones but I know none of them connect back to part 3 so at the moment I'm saying don't go beyond part 3 um, yeah it's just it's, I felt there was no satisfaction and no enjoyment for me watching this film whatsoever and I got to the end of it and like I say it's, I'll give it as one credit is that because it follows those set piece beats of horror um, it's not like it's not a drag this one flies through because there's always something happening on the screen I just wish it was something that interests me more than than what I got Um Let's talk grades, Derek. Um, you know what we yes. do here. It's one through five. One has hated it. Two has didn't like it. Three has liked it. Four has really liked it. Five has loved it. Um, I'm giving this one a 1.5. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't hate it, but I dislike it more than saying I don't like it. So it sits somewhere in between. 1.5 for Children of the Corn Part 4. What about yourself? What are you giving Part 4? I'm going to give it a 2.5 because mm. there are some things I do like about it. You know, hell, if, if I didn't even know, like, to, like if I was watching this early on TV, like, and I didn't know it was a Children of the Corn movie, I probably would have been like, eh, that was something. It was okay. It was like, it wasn't the worst fucking piece of shit I've seen, but it was watchable, you know, on a late night cable situation. Mm -hmm. You know, in that sense, where I was like, eh. But, you know, it's kind of like, this could be so much better. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, I think, uh, I feel this, it's, once again, it's that, it's the hell, I keep coming back to Hellraiser all the time. Um, it's those things that I come back to, like, I, there's a couple of those later Hellraiser movies where I'm like, there's a cool concept here, or there's a, like, there's a, there's a nugget of a really, really cool idea that I can see why you've linked it, why you've taken the script and put, like, a pinhead in it. Um, I, I, you know, I get that, and I'm kind of digging it, but I wish you'd just spent, like, a, a little bit of time just refining the story, doing something with it, just to make it 
more than just this fit feels like a Hellraiser movie and actually make it a Hellraiser movie. And the same with this movie. There are elements here that I think are quite interesting. You mentioned Village of the Damned. I wish it just went more down that road. Uh, even yeah. though this is in or around when the Village of the Damned remake was made, if memory serves. Oh, that God. Speaking of terrible... Speaking yeah. of oh, God, dude, dude, don't even... Um, so, you know what I mean? Like, we, we get to that point, and I'm like... Mm, you know, like, we're so... We are so close. So close, and just... We're so far away from the Killer Kid movies of, like, the 80s, like the children, where the, the kids with the irradiated hands just burn yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just as it's, it's frustrating. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. We're, 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 yeah. It was. It was almost. It was almost something that I could say that I. I might have enjoyed a little bit, but it, it, it never. It never quite got there, for me. Yeah. Right, we are. We are powering on with this, ladies and gents. We ain't stopping for nothing. We've got part five coming up after this we'll see if it's as bad as Derek has told me it is and I'm going to take his word for it because this movie even, even a young Eva Mendes can save that movie I know like this is what I mean David Carradine and Eva Mendes in the same movie and I was like what um, yeah <laughs> and I, Fred Williamson <laughs> Fred Williamson's in it as well I know just an insane cast um, yeah we'll see how we get on you will be listening to the the promos for shows that I love as well as the trailer for that movie when I return I'll be joined with Jerry Herring who's going to be doing part 5 of me right after this hello this is the Doom Show keep on keeping on and keep on trucking America we don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any <laughs> the truth hurts I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback sorry guys that's gotta go <laughs> that's gotta go in there so on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard or Jeffrey or Simon. That's right. We have four people and we always talk at once except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon-exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? <laughs> we got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. It was supposed to be a fun road trip. Where are we? You're on private property. Town's about a mile that way. Now, they're stranded in a desolate town. You people look a little lost. Is there a tow truck service? Nope. We are also looking for some friends in a convertible. We don't get a whole lot of tourists in here. They've been told to leave. I want you on that 8 a.m. bus out of here. You got it? Hey! Hey! 
Now what? But someone doesn't want them to go. No! And for them to stay alive, they must discover the secret of this town's dark mystery. And look evil in the face. I warn you, Sheriff. Children of the Corn 5. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So we're continuing the journey on, finally arriving at Children of the Corn Part 5. This one's dubbed Fields of Terror. And it was direct to video in 1998. I remember it well, but I'll be honest, I do not remember this movie because I never watched it. So this was a first time watch for me. Joining me, drawn from the bowl and making his return back to the podcast under the stairs. And I will see long overdue and it's always great to have him here is my good buddy, Jerry Herring. How's it going, Jerry? Hi, Duncan. It's it's Jim, Jerry, Joe, Bob here. Uh, long time listener, first time caller, and I just want to say thank you for being here. Now, but let me get down to it. These youngins of the corn, okay, living their liberal pagan lifestyle is obviously affected by the chemtrails in the air, turning them to communists so that we will sell all the farmland to China. And... And I will not have this. Is the world that the Democrats want, and it is. And we, as God-fearing Republicans, we need to step up and stop this. Let me tell you, there is no world in America where a goddamn scythe beats a gun. This is propaganda, and I will not stand for it. I will not. These youngins out here are out here worshiping the corn instead of uh, uh, of producing the corn so they can make money. They're anti-capitalist <laughs> commies, okay? Thank you so much for letting me call in. I know that you are in the great white nation of Scotland. Uh, so I appreciate you hearing the american voice which i know you know is the right way one day we'll come over there and we'll take over all them white countries again don't you worry about it and we'll get you the guns that you rightly deserve oh man oh did see hi duncan thanks for having me (laughs) there's a market somewhere for for a whole horror podcast in that voice and i'm not even joking there's a market somewhere (laughs) i'm like that that is an untapped resource jerry i am over the moon that you're back here. You did promise you were going to fuck me up right at the start. And you did. You did. I was not... Of all the intros and all the shows I've ever done, that one is the one that has most given me whiplash. So, uh, well played, sir. Well played. Um, like, give me a bit of detail on this one. Like, in terms of Children of the Corn, is this a franchise you were familiar with before uh, volunteering? Or is this one of these ones where, uh, you know, there's very little to interest you to, to kind of work your way through all ten I have seen the first movie and that's it. Uh, mostly because one, I don't like children, and two, I don't like corn. <laughs> so, but I do like cults. So you would think that I would be like, oh fuck yes, cults. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but and I actually like when it comes to like the movie we're talking about. Like, I do think they do the cult thing very, very well mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, but like, I, no, I've only ever seen the first movie. So I debated, I was like, am I going to watch, like, all the movies up to five? 
yeah. and before I watch five, and then fuck that. Yeah, well, none decision. of them. None of them are. It's it, like apart from like part one, part two's kinda a sequel, but it doesn't really make reference to like out with the event. It's not really like a continuation of characters, and then part six technically is a continuation of characters, and then the rest of them are all standalones. Like, like, with, yeah, it's, it's yeah, pretty so. much just like, like, as long as you have the religion mm-hmm. in the movie, it's the Children of the Corn movie. Pretty much, like, that's all yeah. you need. Well, I'd, like, uh, from what I'm gathering, very similar to because this is Dimension that put this out. Dimension put out a ton of those Hellraiser sequels. Basically, this was treated the same way. So, if they had an unused script that they could maybe segue some Children of the Corn con- in, uh, content into. They became a Children of the Corn movie. Like that's yeah, that's, pulling a Hellraiser. Yeah, like literally. And the weird thing about it is, there's a couple of the sequels which are like part three is the most Hellraiser movie I've seen out with like Hellraiser one, two, three, and four. It's like total a Hellraiser movie, and I, like it's, it's so much fun to watch. But so I, this, yeah, go for it. <laughs> what you're saying is, is the next crossover movie we need <laughs> is Children of the Corn Razor. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they worship the box and then they open the box and then we they have find a... the box in the corn in the corn yeah. and when they call hell pinhead pinhead's like i'm going to take your soul but then the 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 entity that is he who walks behind the rose shows yep. up and he's like no bitch these are my souls <laughs> and then they they fight it out only for hellraiser to like hit the fire so hard mm-hmm. with his chains, it actually pulls out Randall Flag, and we find that this is another <laughs> connection to the Stephen King universe, and he who walks behind the rose has been Randall Flag the whole time. I've, I've got the end of the movie. The end of the movie is the camera pans up and the crop circle is in the lament configuration from Hellraiser. Boom. Hollywood. Oh, make it. yeah. Make it really Hollywood. Good. That's it. There you are right there. That's See, right now, two seconds, we we've written the next movie. So. Yeah, we want the writing credits. Yeah. Does Dimension still own Hellraiser? Can we like? I have no idea at this stage. I have no idea at this stage. It's about to. It's about to. So Hulu's putting out. I think is the next Hellraiser movie, um, and that's literally yeah. all I know about that. So you know what we should do? We should just like do a podcast where mm-hmm. like on the fly we write the whole movie. <laughs> lot, like we sit here and go just back and forth of how it starts and where it goes and like all we know is like the basic information we just went over yeah and we have to create everything else live on a podcast i think we could do that with ease so i think that's i think that is has anyone done this has anyone created ridiculous sequels or anything like that you could like you could literally you could literally put out to like great like you put out to your listeners pick two movies that you want to see a crossover or a franchise that stopped or a movie that you want to see a sequel from and you know, just give us a brief and watch us fill in the blanks i think i think that could be called fill there's in the me, blanks uh, there's me under like a fake name i was like i would like to see jaws of revenge <laughs> mixed with carnosaur 2 wait one second this feels like jerry herring's work damn you jerry um, <laughs> Uh, right, this movie is like uh, this movie is directed by Ethan Wiley. Uh, that is his name. Uh, just checking the IMDb's here. Ethan w- R- uh, Wiley um, has seven directing credits, um, and his first directing credit was House Two: The Second Story. So there we go. Did not know that, and this was his second. And then after that, oh dear, it's just like he's just off doing weird things. 
Um, he does have a, a documentary in post-production called Dude Ranch Dada, um, which sounds like I won't be watching Wait, that. Dude mm -hmm. Ranch Dada as in D-A-T-A? -A? No, D-A-D-A -A, as in Daddy. Dada, okay. Yeah. So it, it's going to be about uh, guys with daddy issues who are also cowboys. It's, it's Brokeback Mountain It's Brokeback broke Mountain 2. He stole an idea. Oh. It's brought back Mountain 2, but the soundtrack is Dead Ranch by Blink-182. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just cowboys fucking to Blink-182 music. <laughs> it's one of those ones where you don't wish for the small things. You want something a bit bigger. Um, we've got, cast listing is so fucked up for this. This is, like, this is the one that the more information that's come out from other hosts that have said, have you got to part five yet, has kind of blown my mind. Uh, this this one is credited as having the first performing role on screen of Eva Mendes. This is our our, our, our acting debut, but we've got Alexa Arquette. Um, we have David Carradine. This is before he became who, Bill. Who is doing his best. Best Lance Henriksen. Oh I've God, ever he is. Like, it's almost as if I could get a feeling that Henriksen maybe turned them down, and they were like, uh, "David Carradine, uh, let's get." Like let's... when he's sitting in that chair. Yeah, it's Lance Henriksen. Like you cannot convince me otherwise. <laughs> we're gonna get to it. Like I don't know if, and like I get the feeling they took the role if he could just sit in a chair. You know what I mean? He doesn't out with what happens to him. <laughs> like with you know when he gets possession shit out with that scene he's never walking around he's just sitting in a chair his role is to sit in the chair and talk it's fucking like... acting genius <laughs> fuck you daniel day lewis okay this this right here is uh tony colette suck a dick yep. you are not david carradine in a chair you're not david carradine in a chair uh fred williamson's in this one we have kane hodder who just inexplicably appears as a bartender for what two seconds uh, one line of dialogue. That was Kane Hodder doing his his day job since there were no Jason movies. <laughs> well, that's he just happened to be there working. <laughs> that's true. Like uh, you would have felt or ninety eight, would have Jason X wouldn't be out yet, but he'd be getting ready to film it because that movie went through oh, all manner of hell before he came out. on the film and just the, they were like, "Here's your cameo." <laughs> it's so weird. Um, yeah, we've got Adam Wiley who was on a TV show that I've never watched, um, and he plays Ezekiel, the little kid this time that's got the power of who, he who walks behind the role. Um, I was almost convinced was fucking Dewey from. I should. I was the same. I ears. Yeah, dude. Honestly, man, I for one mind. It's one mind. Like, see when they come on the screen, I was like. Holy fuck it! No one meant like of all the names that were mentioned, no one mentioned Malcolm in the Middle to me, and I was like, so that's what that is. But it turns out he was on a TV show called uh, Picket Fences, which I've never heard of before. But he was in that as a child actor, and this is literally the first thing he did after that. So, um, and he's still working, so he's a busy guy. Uh, the synopsis for this one: Here we go. Is six college students on a road trip take a wrong turn? and end up trapped in a strange, deserted, rural town inhabited by a murderous cult of children. Now, that's incorrect straight away, because it isn't a deserted, rural town. There are adults there. <laughs> it's a strange, deserted farm, but in the town, people are there. Like, 
Fred Williamson is the cop. Like we saw Kane Hodder working in the bar. Um, so it's, it's maybe slightly, slightly incorrect. Uh, you know what we do here, Jerry? We do four questions. So let me kick you off with the first one. What does Children of the Corn Fields of Terror do well? Uh, it does a really, really good job of showing uh, the cult environment. Mm -hmm. um, I actually feel like it does that so well that like it's believable to me. Like I legitimately believe this is a cult if they wouldn't have had any of the, like the supernatural stuff yep and left that all a mystery i would have been like this is some jim jones shit yep. like i i'm 100 good the cult stuff in this movie is so well done mm -hmm. yeah and well yeah i think it's i think it's great my, my big argument pretty much through every review thus far is is the kind of it's a supernatural element i don't think is well formed and it kind of takes me out of it the stuff that i really like and the stuff that is genuinely scary is belief, you know, like such stringent belief in something that the idea of harming someone and or killing someone um, doesn't really face you. <laughs> I mean, that's that's fucking terrifying. And um, I'm with you on this one. Like, there's a, a like because this one plays much more into even out with some of the other sequels thus far. Like, the deaths are played very much like a slasher thing. You know, it's like people running around getting their heads chopped off, even though it is off screen. You get that arterials in the spray. Um, it's played along those lines and all the stuff that's kind of grounded that way is kind of cool and I think it's a, a lot of respects even though he's kind of like a, a puppet uh, a puppet figurehead here Carradine like I could like why he never played a cult leader in a movie is kind of beyond me because I think he's got that he's got something in his voice specifically his, the, the resonance and tone of his voice is very assured very calming and you could imagine people following him you know what I mean? You can imagine this guy being the, you mentioned earlier on, the kind of quasi-Jim um, Jones-esque sort of character, even though he's not the he's not the power behind everything. At this stage, it, you know, I liked that aspect. I actually felt, and I don't want to jump onto negatives, I actually felt like they dispatched that character a little bit too early for me because I was digging what I saw there. So I'm with you. I like the cult shit. What else does it do well, Jerry Herring? Um... <laughs> I think it's got decent enough like pacing. Like mm -hmm. there's not a lot of times where I'm like move the fuck on. Yep. Like it's got decent enough pacing. Um it's got some actual decent camera work. Like it's not bad what special effects we see in the movie are are decently enough done even though there's no like they don't really do anything like mm -hmm. big for special effects. Mm -hmm. Like but they Everything they do in this movie is done moderately well. Yeah. So, like, because I saw a lot of people shitting on this movie. And I was just like, for a direct-to-video film, it's very competent. Like, oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's got a... The problem is, is, is it's just... You don't hate anything about it. Yeah. You don't love anything about it. So, like, besides how well they did the cult shit for me, it's just kind of like... Okay, you, you it, it's it's a little bit beyond passable, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, forever. I didn't hate this one at all. Like, I, 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 I didn't love it, but I didn't. I've seen a few already. Like the one that came prior to this one is is a terrible movie, and the one that comes after this is also a terrible movie. And I fully expected that when I reached part five, part five was going to be this huge disappointment because the ones either side of it and the ones moving on from it are just not good movies. They're just like, they're kind of variations on a theme, but that theme is 
is like a like a photocopy. So it, nothing's clear. It's all kind of we'll just do this now. We'll just do this. But what I enjoyed about this one, um, I think you hit the nail on the head, is that it feels like some one some money's been spent on it. Two. It feels like someone's taken an interest, whatever that interest is, he's taken it. Three, there's some better names here. You can argue about the performances, but like there's some better names here. And four, its runtime is an hour and 23 minutes. That's including credits. That's about an hour and 15 minutes tops if you remove those credits either side. I mean, that's a, like, it doesn't have enough time to be boring because there ain't time to escalate the story. And as a result of that, um, it knows... It delivers something relatively quick and then continues along a pace of a little bit of story, something bad happens, a kill, or you're introduced to a character and continues that pace right through it, which I think benefits it. You're never spending... There was no point in this movie where it was like that. Right, time to check the watch. It, it kind of just disappeared. Now, I, Yeah, I, I, the only, only world where this movie is long is in 1930. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a long movie if you go back to, like, the 1930s. But, like, for the 90s, yeah. this is actually a, a short film. It's to the fucking point. Yeah. There's no, like, fluff. Yeah. It, it's it's all, like, meat and potatoes, baby. Let's go. Well, we avoided, and like... it had a, a decent... It's, like, one a 1.5 million budget, I think yeah. I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think and of the right, names. The yeah, think of the names is, is, in here for 1.5 million alone. It's kind of insane. So. Oh yeah, like I'm. I mean, uh, uh, Carradine probably just got to keep the chair. That was his payment. Well, yeah, like this is this is like you're talking. We're just before, maybe one or two years before he goes on and does Kill Bill, and then has a, a mini renaissance, so to speak, with his career. Um, but Fred Williamson's only two years removed from doing From Dust Till Dawn. Uh, Eva Mendes, first time her, you know, the first time she's been, like, she wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to get her now for that, uh, overall, you know, the entire budget, and then it's made up of some other people that, you know, are there doing their thing, I mean, it's all, the, the characters I mean, for Patricia the most part, Arquette's in it, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's, that, that's fantastic, I mean, like, there's good, solid, at, like, the blonde-haired kid, yep, in the teenage group, he was probably, like, the weakest link, yeah, yeah, Everyone else was at least decent. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not it's not played by some of the issues that I've had in other ones. But uh, let's find out to to find out where it maybe starts to fall apart for you. Then, so what does the movie not do well? Um. Okay, screenwriters. <laughs> I know coincidences are just so easy to do. Okay, <laughs> I get it. My problem is, is like you set up this thing of her going. It wasn't an accident. He killed himself. Mm -hmm. I saw a suicide note. And, like, right before we find that out, she freaks out in the bar because of she hears who he who's behind the corn. Yeah. And instead of the logical step of being like, he killed himself because he had reached his 18th birthday and he actually was a follower mm -hmm. of it, and but was just living in the, in the city for whatever fucking reason, which I'm sure I would have nitpicked if that would have came up, but I feel like we could have made some bullshit. Oh, yeah, to, uh, yeah, yeah, like, definitely. get it? Um, instead, you go, oh, I have a brother that none of you knew about, and he actually ran away from my abusive dad when I abandoned him and joined that cult. Mm -hmm. And we just happened to be here because my buddy committed suicide. <laughs> like, mm, that writing is mm, maybe a little... uh too coincidental mm -hmm. 
for my taste. Like, it's not a bad script, but, like, they were like, don't ask questions. Like, yeah. the little boy, like, we start off and little boy gets struck by, like, fucking he behind the, the roses fire. Mm-hmm. And then it's like one year later and I'm like, they built all this shit up in one year. Well, this is funny? the th- yeah, this really? is the thing. Like, because essentially that that fire is now in a silo, and it just felt like, especially with the Tim's people are talking about it, as if this guy's been up on that. You know, he's been up in that farm for years, and I'm like, so where did this? What? Where did he get all these? Was he like adopting kids and like molesting them mm-hmm. until fucking <laughs> Big Ear showed up and Big Ear got hit by the fire and was like. Now you're a fucking husk of a man. Now you you are the scarecrow that will keep the cops mm-hmm. and other adults away from us. Yeah. Which is actually really fucking clever it's if you think about it. It's a fucking great idea. It's a fucking... Like, it's so good. Like, the, 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 some, some of these movies have fell apart in the past because of that element that you would think, like, adults would would get would not even get the upper hand but would cotton on to things a bit quicker but the idea of as this eccentric guy he lives out in this land that he owns and yeah the kids hang around there and you know he's, right his, his politics are a little bit weird and his religion's a little bit yeah. weird but you know like you said in the there's intro no, there's no god bless like, america you know what i mean it's it just to me that yeah. is so much better than than like just like oh well all the all the adults are gone and the kids are surviving yeah, you, like just is too much you don't you know have mean? to kill the whole town you figured exactly. out a way to not kill mm-hmm. the whole town, make the cult work by having this this scarecrow. Yeah. Which, like, metaphor-wise works so well with, like, what this movie is trying to do. Mm-hmm. So, like, they handle the cult side of it so fucking good. But on the, the protagonist side, yeah, it's just like, you could have done so much better like you did not have to reveal even if they had only went there be, to, to spread their friends ashes mm-hmm. and their car just happened to break down in that area and they stay at that abandoned house like and then like the you know they decide to scooby-doo gang this shit mm-hmm. you know at least i would have accepted that's a trope i can yeah. deal with that trope but you just throwing this fastball of my brother joined a cult. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. It's like, there, there's a couple of things in this that just, like, we talked about the pacing being good, but there is a negative aspect to that. Eva Mendes' character does a hard, fast turn from, like, just kind of being all perky and happy to let me throw myself into this silo. But I can, I can get that, though. She's upset over her boyfriend dying yep. it was obviously serious she's 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 going manic yes she fucks that dude and it's just like yo it was just a one night stand for me she's flirting with a, a fucking guy in overalls you look <laughs> at evan and his character and you're like she doesn't fuck with people who wear overalls mm-hmm. or flannel mm-hmm. like it's the <laughs> 90s and she's still like i don't fuck people in flannel and she's willing to fuck this dude Like, she is having a full fucking manic episode. So I can accept this. I think there's enough there in the story for me to at least, like, give you a bullshit explanation that works in the story. And, yeah, the story should have done a better job. But at least I can explain Eva Mendez's character. I I want... Like, I I want... 
I want a clothing line which is only flannel that says I don't fuck people in flannel. Oh yeah, I'll do it. It'll only be purple flannel. It's only gonna be purple flannel. And it's it's going to I don't fuck people in, in flannel and behind it, behind the words is going to be just like a piece of corn. Yeah. Speaking of corn, like one of my negatives here is the the first on screen death we see is the girl that's you know she gets lost in the corn while her and her, her boyfriend are you know on this journey to, to like spread ashes are using blow up sex dolls as markers on the road that feels appropriate but she he's she... got a small dick okay <laughs> let's let's just get out of the way he has a small dick and he fucks blow up dolls and she is like i love him and yeah. it feels really shallow of me to like want to break up with him for that so she really got into like shoving things up inside of her Possibly. and she saw the corn and was like <laughs> well that's the only Yo, way yeah, this I is the only way this corn. scene makes sense because she gets our face gets sliced which is a really cool effect with the, the uh, scythe and then the scythe keeps going what we presume is across our body but all i see instead of guts falling out are ears of corn um, in fact there's about she had five already shoved a couple inside <laughs> it's the only way that makes sense because I was like what what is she being changed to corn? Like, I, I, a, I understand. I understand the, the, the idea behind it. One ear of corn is enough and then just some blood. I mean, that to me is... But every slice, I was like... Ugh. No, if you're going to, to, like, let the audience know that she's into sticking things up inside <laughs> of her, you have to show multiple people. She has multiple holes, Duncan. So This is true. This is true. They have to show that. I'm being like, very dismissive. <laughs> Yeah, I, I called the writers of this film so that I could find out if my theories were correct. And everything I'm saying here is true. You do not have to contact the writers. I've already done it. Okay, just believe. I'm giving. I'm making this movie better for you, so mm -hmm. just accept it. I, I'm fully accepting it now. It's a lot of on-screen death, uh, off-screen death in this movie. Uh, yeah, which it, I would, camp? Yeah, what, yeah what, which I kind of disliked until... Until uh, David Carradine's head opened thing style and a creature come out of his head and then melted um, Fred Williamson's head. And then I was like that, you know what, if this movie only, like if this was the only thing it did right, it's memorable, which most of these movies are not, it's different from anything I've seen before and it's kind of fucking rad. So it's a negative that we get a lot of off-screen deaths, but it's a positive that one of the main ones we do get is kind of bitching. So I'm, I'm going to have to be honest. Yeah, I, I like, like, they put all the money into that one special effect. And, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, David Carradine had to fucking do something, so. <laughs> uh, right, let's, let's, let's talk about the escalation and end of this movie. So, uh, like, in this case one, um, Ezekiel is possessed by he who walks behind the rose. Um via this fire that burns in the in the corn which is interesting because in all the other movies thus far fire has been the cleansing tool to get rid of heat but he's just embraced it so kill cool, it like it flip it reverse it play it this way now um well they are getting cleansed of the fire because uh i know it was originally 18 but in this movie it's yeah. it's um or no it originally was 19 in this movie it's 18 yeah the drop um yeah. So, and at that point, you were you were entering the age of adulthood, the age of sin. Mm -hmm. So you are clear cleaning yourself with the fire. You are yeah. still being cleansed. Yeah, but I mean, like the so actual you... spirit before 
was like in, in the corn when they got rid of him every time before it's by burning the field but this one he's he is he's a burning bush essentially you know what i mean he's he, he is a fire in this one which is the first well, thing predict ap- duncan you know after mean? four fucking movies oh, i'm not against he it who walked behind the rose has to have character development I'm he has to get stronger <laughs> and he finally figured out that whoa if they they keep fucking burning me if yeah. I just become the fire, if I become fire, I love that. It's like we're just removing. I'm good. Yeah, we remove that's that. That's character straight. development. That's character development right there. Uh, he's like, he's like Batman. What he did was he absorbed the thing that made him yeah. afraid, and then used it as a. I see. It's, it's layers, man. Layers in this movie. Um, the ending does feel a bit quick. If you know what With I mean. everything we just said, the ending makes no sense because yeah. then we're like, how do we kill it? You make the fire bigger. <laughs> I'm glad this is not And I'm just sitting here like, what the fuck? It's not manageable. Unless, unless, <laughs> unless the thing is, is that he who walks behind the rose has to always be attached to some physical child like fucking Roman Polanski yeah. in the 70s. Um, <laughs> nice. So. But then the, the opening scene doesn't make sense then. You know what I mean? Because the opening scene, that kid just is in front of a fire and it gets possessed. Who passed the fire? You know what I mean? I, I, I'm you on it this one. It was sleeping for 27 years yeah. until it had to get up. Jeepers Creeper style. I like it. I like and it. And I, I was going with it so we could be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we wouldn't, we wouldn't be um, hit with really dumb kind of using Jeepers Creepers as a comparison. <laughs> yeah. I, I know I just mentioned the pedophile. That didn't mean you had. <laughs> I thought one cancelled the other one out. No, is that not how that works? <laughs> No, but fire cancels fire. Fire cancels fire. So the analogy works. If you just make the the fire bigger, it's like feeding someone until they just fucking Mm -hmm. explode. It's Dig Dug. She was playing Dig Dug the day before and was like, if you just make it bigger, Mm -hmm. it'll, you win. So she just Dig Dug he who walks behind the rose. I've got you. Yeah, it's all. It, this is what. This is why I should have called the writers, but I don't have to know because you did. Um, let's let's <laughs> let's let's move on to the next question here. Um, there's a lot of things we've marked as positives here, right? So let's say you were you were working on the same project. You had final say. What do you do to tighten it up then? What what do you do to fix the problems that are in this movie? Is it purely oh, just? Focus more on the cult aspect and maybe less on the supernatural. Or what would um, you do? I'm, you know what? Like, I would like to kind of take away like the supernatural of it mm-hmm. and keep it. Except the only supernatural part I would keep is the 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 Lance Henderson scarecrow. Yeah, like yeah. that I keep, and I I don't reveal from the get-go that the kid has supernatural powers and in fact i never really show it except for his like control the only the only supernatural scene we will ever see Mm -hmm. is the head explosion scene we keep that uh we there is no brother we are not doing that shit we are actually going to like just they stayed in the abandoned house because the car broke down and these kids are like yo you're too close to our area and they decide to you know fucking they feel disrespected like we'll have some scene where like the blonde hair dude like pisses on a corn piece or something mm-hmm. and so there are or they're still upset that the uh chick from the beginning of the movie 
was fucking herself with corn. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll make it that the kids just feel disrespectful or disrespected. Therefore, he who walks behind the corn is disrespected. Plus, all will up the age so all of these like people are nineteen, so they're automatically like, "Yo, they have to die." We'll we'll just they disrespected them. We'll sacrifice them. Mm-hmm. Fuck it, they're on our land, and we'll just go that route. And we'll see more of the cult stuff. We'll like have like the teenagers kind of like like get locked up and wait to be sacrificed as they watch like other kids willingly jump into the burning fire Mm -hmm. and they know that they're going to be pushed there and then like like but the one chick uh who isn't caught um still gets the cops and the cops show up yep but like that's how that's how you fix the fucking movie Mm -hmm. right there and then it just the movie just ends with no like like we beat it by adding more fire the movie's just gonna end when she throws the fertilizer bag at fucking dumbo big ears and he falls into the fire and explodes so we still have like the explosion Mm -hmm. and everything and we still have like her um fucking you know being like saving the the kids the same way and going and getting her niece or nephew uh, the kid's still going to have the the fucking eyes, mm-hmm. but we're going to add like that like generic 1990s goosebump jingle to it, mm-hmm. and then it'll go to a black screen and it'll just say "just kidding." <laughs> I would much rather watch your version. I'll be honest. Uh, right, you have to take a position here, Jerry. This movie is either a movie you're going to recommend or not recommend if asked by someone that hadn't seen it. So if I had never seen this movie before and I said to you, listen, Jerry, I'm thinking about watching that Children of the Corn 5. Would you recommend this? Um, And if you would or wouldn't, is there a scene you would use to back up that statement? Um, I would recommend it because I would be like, dude, you, if you've never seen someone sit in a chair before, like... (laughs) This has the greatest chair scenes. I know what you mean. What about Daniel Day Lewis mm-hmm. in that fucking Gangsters of New York movie? You know, and he talk and he's wearing the American flag and he, he's talking. Who gives a shit? <laughs> this movie has that scene, but no. In all reality, I would actually say, look, if you want to watch something from the directive video error that really like represents what directive video is Mm -hmm. this is it because while it's not super bad it's not super good Mm -hmm. it is like the definition of these mediocre movies that got pushed out yeah and direct to video this is a ultimate representation of it um also like because i hear everyone say well five and six are the worst of the franchise and I'm oh just no like, they're not <laughs> really i'm not. just like bro if if five is in your contendership for being worst in the franchise boy i've got some fucking franchises we need to sit down and watch <laughs> because it gets way worse yeah i, I prefer this like much more than part four much more than part six even though we're going to get into that review in a, uh, in the next segment um i like i i didn't hate this and I, there was some stuff like I, I would recommend this movie purely for the thing head scene which like none of the other movies have 
like that I've seen thus far, none of them have that. And it's one of those effects where I was like, that's, I mean, at least, like you said before, at least you're trying something different. And I think they get, they get quite a lot right here. They still get a ton wrong, but they get enough right here for a movie like you say, straight to video, nice and short. Um, I, I mean, it's one of those movies that if you spend any great amount of time thinking about certain things, aspects fall apart, but the movie doesn't give you a chance to do that. It's like, let's just get through this, let's get to the end of it. Oh, by the way, potential sequel, which doesn't happen, uh, but that happens in all these movies. It sets up as if you're like, oh, this is going to be an interesting continuation. Next movie pretends the first movie didn't happen. So I'm like, yeah, I am 100% with you, I would totally recommend this movie, which brings me to my last question. Netflix grades, it's one through five. One has hated it, two has didn't like it, three's liked it, four has really liked it, five has loved it. I'm I'm gonna go a three here. I like this I'm a, movie. I'm a three also, yeah. baby. I, I like I have seen way worse movies than this. And I have to like after we're done recording, I have to go watch fucking Die Hard to do a review on. Mm -hmm. Like and I'm kind of just like, man, I really wish I could just watch Children of the Corn 5 again. <laughs> it's that head scene, man. It's all about that head scene. Yeah, that's, yeah Die yeah. Hard doesn't have an exploding head. It does not. That it should. I, remember. I mean, well, that's a missed opportunity for them, to be honest. They could have. If they wanted to, they could have. But someone somewhere made a choice and didn't. Which, to me, calls into question that entire movie now. So... Straight listeners, calling it a question. Uh, Jerry, you have recently returned to the world of podcast and let the folks out there know where they can check out your shit. Uh, so you can find it on Kill the Cast. It's on Spotify, iTunes, all that shit. There's multiple uh, shows on Kill the Cast. So Kill the Cast is, is the main show. Um, but we also have Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. Uh, if you want to get in some Godzilla Gamera. We've also got uh, we the next episode coming out is a Jerry hates action on Die Hard, so <laughs> we're gonna have some fun there. And then we also have the Friday Nightmares podcast on there, which is Scott and Heather, and they're fucking wonderful. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've returned to podcasting. I apologize to everyone who missed me on the summer series. Trust me, yeah. if I could have been there, I would have. I, I literally been. couldn't fucking see to read. For like three months uh and now i get eye injections Ooh. monthly so fuck all of you yeah. um but I, I i promise like i will i will make it up i will come up with some podcast like special that me and duncan will do so that like you all can't be like oh we miss jerry we wanted to see him get fucked over again this year and he wasn't there to get <laughs> fucked over well, the, summer, the summer series, the summer series is back next year. It's that like I, I'll drop you a link. I'll, I'll fill you in. But it's back next year. Mm. And the there's a chair always there for you, buddy. There's a chair always. I there will fucking be there with gloves on. Nice, right, ladies and gents. I am going to bring you part six, which is nowhere near as good as part five. You're going to hear the trailer for that movie first when I return. I'll be joined with now. Who joined me for part six? Is that Darren Wilson? I think it was. You'll hear us chatting about it right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, LegionPodcasts.com, the Psychosemantic Podcast.
For every season, there is a time for friendship. Maybe I want you to stick around. A time for love. Don't be scared. We were destined. And a time <laughs> for terror. Isaac is back. Now is the day of salvation. To fulfill the final prophecy. It. Don't be afraid. It's your soul that's gonna burn in hell. I don't have a soul. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So here we go, continuing on with our run through the children of the corn Russian roulette franchise retro. This one has maybe the worst name. I'm just gonna put it out there because someone went six. I think you mean 666 Satan! Um, which, I mean, it's just bad. It's just bad. This is Children of the Corn 666, a.k.a. Isaac's Return. That's right, we're linking it back to the OG. This came out in 1999. Guess what? Straight to DVD. Surprise, surprise. Or direct to video, because uh, VHS was still very much a commodity in 1999. It's when I started working in the video store many moons ago, and I remember the case to this movie. Um, this one is directed by Carrie Scogland, who we're going to swing back to and speak about her in a second. And the movie itself stars a baffling cast. We have Natalie Ramsey, Gary Bullock, Alex Koromzi, Cor <laughs> right, Stacey Keach is in this one. Um, we have William Prale, John Franklin. We have Nancy Allen, which that bit just like my brain fucking melted and dribbled out my ears. Uh, John Patrick White, Nathan Bexton, and Sidney Bennett. Oh, oh yeah, and Paul. Popovich, which is very fun to say when you've had a few drinks. Um, <laughs> joining me on this episode, the man who was selected to run the gauntlet on part 666 is my very good friend, Mr. Darren Wilson. How you doing, Darren? I am doing fabulously now that I have finished watching this movie. <laughs> uh, it's one of those ones where you see the title and you cringe a little bit because a studio's put it out and then you watch it and then you cringe a little more because you watched the movie that you cringed about over the title. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we are here to find out if it is 666, the sequel of The Beast, sacrifices going on tonight, or... 666 the sequel of the beast 666 the one for you and me i think we're <laughs> we might be giving it away which one it's going to be but yeah but my, my, my favorite thing about this is like someone sitting down there going listen we had success with the first movie second movie did all right third movie did all right fourth and fifth did not do well do you know what we're missing Isaac, the guy from the first movie. That's what the fans want, so let's give them back. But let's bring him back like we bring back Michael Myers in, like, fucking part four. Like, he's just been in a coma for ten years. <laughs> the audience will just accept that. Shite. Anyway, the director here, uh, we were chatting about this off here, is a woman by the name of Carrie Scogland. And, I mean, it's very easy to sit here and say, oh, well, we'll dismiss her because this isn't necessarily all that great a movie and then you sit down and you look at her filmography as a director and 
she's living her best life right now. She is the absolute fucking powerhouse when it comes to TV, specifically TV. And most notably, this year, responsible for a whopping six episodes of The Falcon and Winter Soldier. That is Disney money. You know what I mean? Like, she is rolling, she is making bank on that Disney Marvel she at. And I, I applaud yeah. her. <laughs> like, because Disney clearly did not watch Children of the Corn 666. <laughs> There's no way. But, like, like, listen, if you go back through, she did Nosferatu, The Handmaid's Tale. She's worked Quite on Quite a few Handmaid's yeah. Tales. Quite a few. She's done The Punisher. She's worked on The Walking Dead. She worked on House of Cards. She's done Fear the Walking Dead, Penny Dreadful. She's done Vikings. She has done Under the Dome, The Killing, The Borgias, which is a TV show I adore, um, Boardwalk Empire. I mean, the list goes on and on. Like, she, like, this is what she does now. She works in TV, and the shows that she's working on are successful. So, fair play to her. She, she did a movie. She did maybe one or two movies after that. None of them were successful. She went, you know where that bank is? It's in TV. And she's went off and done it and cut her chops right there. Kind of love it. Uh, At the moment, I'm thinking she might be the biggest success story with Stephen King of the entire Children of the Corner franchise. I... I would not argue against that. I'm I'm a little unfamiliar with some of the some of the episodes, the latter some of the episodes of the series, uh, yeah. some of the installments in the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last one I watched before this one was a couple years ago uh, for Desmond's flicks. I got the one that had like Kane Hodder as a bartender. Oh and God, David I've not Carradine. got to that yet. <laughs> oh, oh, you haven't David got to Carradine's that one yet. In it. David Carradine is in it. Uh, I think Alexis Arquette pre-transition. Fucking hell. Uh, and like somebody else, somebody, uh, fuck, somebody, shit. Uh, I think it was who plays, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this movie. Have you seen the other guys? With I love Will Ferrell and Mark, yeah, Mark yeah. and Mark. I'm blanking on the name of Will Ferrell's wife. Super beautiful actress. Oh, um, it's not Sam Hayek. It's a. Uh, it's not. Ros- is it Rosaria Dawson? Am I mean no. No, I, I will. While we're chatting, right? Uh, you will pad for ear. I will find out. Yeah. So that that was the last one I watched. I. Uh, I, I mean, the first one I had seen a lot. My my mom was a big Stephen King fan, and stuff so that that movie was on and eva mendez is it eva mendez Eva she she might be in a children of the corn um i am going back through the entire back catalog right now the the one with david carradine there is like a uh a woman that is really famous nowadays right let's let's Uh, uh, like we're deep diving on this because you've literally blown my mind that david carradine is in a fucking children of the corn movie like they have a honestly like Part four has Naomi Watts and her first on-screen performance. Part five has Charlize Theron and her first on-screen performance. Wow. It's like there's some, like, was, like, Harvey Weinstein involved in all of this? Because I know Miramax has his grubby fingers all over this. Like, it just feels weird that this is where they all ended up. 
Um, <laughs> you know, like like a kind of penance. Like you either watch me wank into the potty plant, or you go away and do a Children of the Corn movie. Yeah. Um, and apparently, and I would agree, a Children of the Corn movie much more appealing. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, let's find this Children. Wow, part five. I have not watched this yet, so I like we're skipping over. I'm jumping about as you would. Uh, he's in yeah. part five, and Eva Mendez is in part five. Nailed it. Okay, yeah. Kane Fred Hodder, Williamson's uh, in that movie as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's another like okay, a bunch of people. It's I guess it's uh, they saw Jennifer Aniston go from Leprechaun to Friends, <laughs> and. I was like, okay, yeah, sure. But, you know, David Carradine's like, yeah, I'm free right now. I'll make a movie. I mean, David Carradine, like, let's, let's put this into perspective here. David Carradine does this movie in 1998. And when did Kill Bill come out? Right around then, I thought. Must have been. Oh, that's, a, that's a bad year for him. You know what I mean? Where he's like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm promoting this movie. Kill Bill with arguably the hottest ticket ever in Quentin Tarantino. Oh yeah, by the way, also check out Children of the Corn Part 5, Fields of Terror. Um, you know, <laughs> just feels like... Oh my God. How oh, I'm glad bizarre. I didn't say too much about it. I wasn't sure if you'd seen it yet, so yeah. No, I watched Part 4 and then jumped to Part 6 to do this with you because I, like, I knew fine well that there's only one movie that really connects to any in the series, and that would be the one that we're talking about just now, which connects to part one. Uh, the synopsis for this one is, as a teenage girl comes to Gatlin to find her biological mother, the, ter- the Tim's infamous cult plots a comeback as their leader, Isaac, awakens from a coma. And that's that. I mean, that's an accurate synopsis for this film. But... By God, is this a painfully late 90s horror movie. Like, really, this is all the things I hate about direct-to-video movies. Like, it wrapped up in one movie here. Um, we're going to get to it, but like, there's no way to discuss this movie without mentioning the clear, obvious Instagram CPR filter, which is all over this <laughs> fucking movie. It's nauseating. Um, right, Dern. We're going to talk about part 666 here. We'll have to call it 666 because that's the title. Um, You know fine well that on this show, what we do in Russian Roulette Franchise Retros is I will give you four questions. Within these four questions, we will right the world's wrongs and sort out our feelings, come together in um, hopefully some sort of uh, harmonious catharsis on our views overall on the movie. And this journey to enlightenment begins with question number one, which is, what, if anything, does Children of the Corn 666 Isaac's Return do well? I would say, well, an easy answer is cast and director. I would agree with that. I think the cast for this is super good. Like, even if these actors are, for all intents and purposes, slumming it, um, I like their performances. I love me some Nancy Allen. I am a huge... I have had a crush on her for the longest time, and I blame Brian De Palma. You know what you did, De Palma. You know what you did, you son of a bitch. 
and like I would say hang your head in shame but technically you were either married to her or engaged to her when you did it um, but yeah like she's fun in it Stacey Keach is in this for a short role he's fun in it um, and I'll say like Isaac John Franklin coming back as the Isaac character he, he gives, he overacts, you choose up the scenery like a motherfucker. He's like, a, he's a, a cumboy and harvester of an entire scene here, just chewing up and spitting out dialogue. But I love the fact he, oh, this is a bad horror movie, but he gives it his all. The thing I don't like um, is the kids. I don't like the kids. Like, see Gabriel, played by Paul Popowich, which, once again, very fun to see. Like, just his whole kind of, Oh, you thought you were the man, dude? And I'm like, oh, really? This, no, no. No, dialogue is bad. This is an old man writing for kids. This is an old man writing for kids. Um, I don't like those <laughs> Which aspects. could also be, oh, sorry. I say I just don't like those aspects. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of that, there is stereotypical 90s dude hench person who's wearing baggy pants Jinkos. Uh, yep, he's, he's got Jinkos, three or four button-down shirts at various level of buttoning, a ball chain necklace, and a fucking fire knit cap or toque or whatever the fuck people call yeah. it. And I looked at him. I looked at him and was ashamed to realize that I too dressed like that in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Is this dude me? Did that make children of the corn six 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 not remember it?" <laughs> That's horrific. There's so many '90s people. So, Hot the, punkish redhead girl. But this is Gatlin in the middle of fucking nowhere, the land that time forgot, and everyone's just dressed like they're backup dancers in an Offspring music video. You know, like they're, they're, all, they're all extras from Pretty Fly for a white guy. <laughs> I, like I just, I, I was kind of just like, what the fuck are we doing here? It's just, it's like. I don't know, this movie kind of wants to, in a lot of respects, have its cake and eat it as well. It kind of wants to, to lean into the lore of, you know, the whole idea of Children of the Corn and the whole idea of Gatlin as a place, but at the same time doesn't want to to acknowledge that this town is supposedly cut off from the outside world. If anything that's like that, you know, like, oh, we were a popular news story for a while and then everyone fucked off. And I'm like, what? No, if we're following on from part one, all the adults are dead. <laughs> it's like, there were no adults left. So if people have come to your town, surely they've come to your town and seen no fucking adults. But this, it's like, no, 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 you don't, you ignorant slut, Duncan. You don't understand how time works. And I don't, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a physicist. So, um, yeah, I'll give you the cast is, the cast is fun, at least, even though a, more than a little bit cringy at times. What else does the movie do well, though, Dan? Hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, pretty realistic-looking fake blood. I like the practical effects in this one as well. I will. I. I. At the moment, it is like you have read my notes. <laughs> Although that's when. There's a steep decline, and I've got kind of... The movie does sort of depict the isolation of, yep. of Nebraska. Mm -hmm. uh, about four or five years later, 
than when this movie came out. I was in Nebraska on tour. Yeah. And but we were we drove through a lot of it, played one show in Lincoln mm -hmm. with some metal band. Uh, you know, it was one of those things like, well, I don't care what genre you are. Yeah. You're all playing together because it's Saturday night in lincoln nebraska been so there here's... done that buddy amen like there are a few people and there's like my band used to be like like one of the heavier bands in the area and we played with everyone because every now and again they're like well you don't fit with anyone else so we'll just put you on this pop punk night it's like bro death metal cool. what are we on this like pop punk there i mean no one will like us and they're like Sorry. <laughs> like, it's like still Tough shit. Play. <laughs> look I'm going to put up out. the tables while you're playing, too. Yeah, look at it over, over a sea of people wearing uh, Phoenix TX t-shirts while you're about oh, to play man. a song about people being buried in masonry. It doesn't work. doesn't work. <laughs> it can, yeah. Uh, <laughs> fortunately, we've, you know, uh, since we're weird punk, mm -hmm. we had more some more metal band, metal metallic sounding songs yeah. we played with some band called stellador oh. that i heard was on roadrunner records or yeah some i remember them then. do remember them oh, okay yeah yeah uh so but to get to lincoln there really is and i mean there's a there are a lot of cornfields in the midwest i will say <laughs> that uh i've never creepily followed someone in a cornfield <laughs> but i have maybe allegedly Taken acid and played tag in a cornfield. Ah, that doesn't sound like fun at all. That sounds like a trip that will stay with you for a long time after. <laughs> Still remember it to this day. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there is that isolation that is in Nebraska where you can believe that a town is forgotten. Yeah. I don't know about everybody getting everything back onto the power grid and the hospital slash mental hospital with <laughs> <Yeah>. four people <laughs> run by a cop and creepy grabby Dr. Stacy Keach. We literally have like that's you I love I love the fact you brought that up. Like like we're just gonna conflate here. Yeah, we have a, a psych ward here which is just full of people. Like there's like for the popula population of Gatlin, we are just taking people from other states and other towns around here and just dump them in here. But also this is where you get treated for medical ailments. And Stacy Keach is if he was a doctor nowadays, he'd be locked up. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like there would be there would be a five part Dateline podcast about him, which would now be a Netflix TV show. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> the touchy feely doctor. Um, it's just the he's, people he's, of Gatlin trusted him. Yeah, <laughs> Gatlin behind grouper. that cigarette he smoked. You know what I mean? He's Gatlin's grouper. <laughs> That's literally what he is. He's like he's all over her. Like, all over her. I love the bit where she just says something and he grabs her neck and twists it to the side for no reason is, except to say, you, you no permanent damage. You haven't really hurt yourself. Yeah. And she's like, thank you. Because <laughs> her neck's all like crushed up to the side. Thank you very much, doctor. Um, yeah. I'm also like, a chiropractor. <laughs> he's also a chiropractor, which is a fake thing. I watched a video today, just a side here, uh, I watched a video today of, like, the new thing, like, these chiropractors are obviously trying to, like, they, they know their con, right, and their con is evolving, 
Um, and their call, their con now involves what looks like like medical chisels and large mallets just hammering oh. on people's rib cages. Um, oh. Yeah, like if you get a chance, watch these. I think they're called extreme chiropractors, and they it's just a giant metal chisel and a huge mallet, and they just thump it down on people and people oh yeah I can totally now move my neck more I can move my neck three centimetres more in rotation than I can before um, but it's all temporary because not that I want to sh throw shade I know some people get aid from chiropractors right but it is fake like you know I mean it's, it's not a cure yes you might get a bit of mobility for a day but it doesn't actually cure anything one would argue that any one could argue there that any uh, practice or medication or exercise or movement or physiotherapy which ultimately works for a day, thus forcing you to pay money again to go back and get the same procedure done like a week later for the rest of time is a con. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anything that doesn't yes. cure you is a con. So... Um, I don't know how we got to that, but it's worth saying uh, this show does not endorse chiropractors. Yeah. Or, or uh, yeah. And we got there from uh, Dr. Stacy Keach. Yes, who is like a makeshift chiropractor. Like, I, I, I this movie is like makes Stacy Keach look like a, a credible chiropractor, which like does does everything I need to know about it. Um, effects, like yeah, effects. Like the overall, the effects are are decent in this one. I think like the fake blood that you mentioned, I think is handled quite well. Uh, some of the the actual practical effects where people are being levitated or like the power of you know he lives beyond the row, I think is is well done. But then they don't go overboard. In this one, if you know what I mean, there's a distinct lack of mass supernatural power in this movie. Like even Isaac, yeah. when Isaac kills Stacy Keach in this one, it is kind of like death by electrocution. It's not like the the most the, the like the, the the most power he shows in that scene is when he walks in the room, the tap turns on. It's like a, <laughs> that's a shit power. You know what I mean? Like if you're you're possessed by a satanic demon, which like which is basically what the He Beyond Zero is supposed to be, um, you would like to think his power extends more than turning the faucet on. Um, and also, Stacey Keach is wearing... I took a look at this. This is a pet peeve of mine, Darren Wilson. Let me tell you a little pet peeve. There's a pet peeve of mine which is in movies where someone is standing in a pool of water and they throw the old electric cables in and that person is electrocuted. Um, which, one, doesn't happen for the most part. But two doesn't happen if you're wearing rubber-soled shoes, which what's, that's what <laughs> Stacey Keach is watching. He's wearing those shoes and he still gets electrocuted. And I'm like, that wouldn't happen. He's got inverted nails <laughs> from his other job as the town's acupuncturist. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he, he, what you don't know is he's actually the town's blacksmith. Um, and what he's done <laughs> is he's fitted, he's fitted horseshoes to the, the bottom of his feet. And that that is way I can run through the roads. <laughs> it's just, it's such a terrible death. It actually weirdly plays in. It makes sense longer term when we find out more about Isaac and essentially his lack of power long term. Uh, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, oh, someone wrote that. 
Someone wrote that and didn't. I mean, Wikipedia maybe wasn't around in 1999, and Google probably wasn't really a proper search engine then, but come on. Speak to someone. See if I put electric current through rubber, does it kill the person? Oh, it doesn't. Let's remove that scene from our movie. It's lazy. It's lazy, lazy writing. Um, any other positives for this? Or are you about to drop the ball um, on some negatives? Yeah, I would say, as selfishly, the one other positive is Natalie Ramsey looks very uh, nice in her underpants. She looks incredible. Which they show us a couple times. Yes. All right. Hannah Martin, this character that is literally introduced and then will never appear anywhere else, um, is is very nice looking. She's I, The weird thing is, I don't know if Natalie Ramsey did anything else. Let's find out while we're chatting right I, now. She was in Pleasantville, which I've seen more than a handful of times. She is in Pleasantville, which is, yeah, I do enjoy that. She obviously moved on from the dizzying highs of Pleasantville to do... <laughs> Children of the Corn 666. She's in Cherry Falls. It must yeah, be a another small... movie that if I felt guilty about the movies I'd like, I would call it a guilty pleasure. I love Cherry Falls. I am a big... But then I had the... Without going in... I feel this is like a bit of a confessional. I don't know what it is. Whenever I'm podcasting you, Dan, I feel like it's a bit of a confessional. Uh, forgive... I'm good at getting people to open up. <laughs> forgive me, Father Wilson, for I have sinned. I had the most unhealthy crush on Brittany Murphy. Um, oh, yeah. You've See, no we're commiserating I- on this. Yes. You've no idea. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of Cherry Falls. Um, and our probably our biggest claim to fame after Cherry Falls is Cruel Intentions 3, a movie that I did not <laughs> I did not know the exact... There's a Cruel Intentions 3. I did not know that either. Surely. Every time we talk, also, I let you know about a furthering of a series you weren't aware of. What did we talk about? The Skull. Yes, there we go. The, like, the Skulls, where, like, to this day, I am still baffled by the idea that there is more than one movie. Um, but yeah, apparently there are three Cruel Intentions movies. Uh, there is two Wild Things movies. How the oh. fuck does that happen? Oh, this is bad. Everything is bad. Why do they keep doing this? Um, I, I need to disconnect myself from from everything. Uh, but yeah, that's literally only all. She, she does some TV, but she apparently stopped working in um, 2009 and has no more credits against her after that point. So um, yeah, is it weird to say that maybe our highest point was Pleasantville? And a close second was Children of the Corn 666. I think that's pretty accurate. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, oh well, yeah. What a shame. What a shame. Yeah, uh, right, let's pivot just... this in. Let's pivot it. Because you've, you put your cards on the table. I've seen your cards. You shouldn't have yes. overturned them when you put them on the table. That's not how we do this. Um, let's, let's pivot to things this doesn't do well so what does children of the corn 666 isaac's return Dan wilson do poorly oh okay <laughs> first no <laughs> finkel is einhorn einhorn is um, finkel yeah i know so Okay, one of the things that it doesn't do well is it's trying to connect and tether itself to the first movie. Yeah. 
but I don't think that they do a well enough job explaining how being killed in the first movie puts you in a coma. Yeah, it's not explained at all. No, he's got a cane now. Yeah, because he was crucified and died. And that's gotta be Kane. That's gotta be Kane. <laughs> Sorry, it's a it's a gut it's a gut thing. It's like whenever I hear it, uh, yeah, like they don't explain one why this kid that essentially headed up a mob that murdered everyone would one still be alive after the events of the first movie, and two just be casually in a coma in a hospital with no handcuffs on him, police presence, or anything. And all the gates are unlocked. <laughs> he walks out. He wakes up and walks out the hospital, and no one says a fucking thing. Yeah. I, I mean, we, he, we don't even get uh, Isaac in the pickup truck, mm-hmm. like in Kill Bill. Yeah. You know, wiggle your big toe. <laughs> he just gets out of bed after. <laughs> I hate movies that don't do the wiggle the big toe thing. Like, ten, right? whether you like Quentin Tarantino or not, and yes, he used the scene of someone rehabilitating himself from a coma by focusing them on their feet because he's Quentin Tarantino and he's creepy that way. But at the same time, it's like one of those things that when you watch it, yes, her recovery is far too quick. But at the same time, I'm like, at least he's acknowledged it. Like, there's that movie, I, I'm going to get the name wrong, it might be Hard to Kill with uh, Steven Seagal uh, and is it Kelly LeBrock? I think it's Kelly LeBrock where he is shot and put in a coma and wakes up like what, like 10 years later and within like a couple of days is doing badass kung fu and I'm like, <laughs> mm, is that right? I don't know if that's that's how that works. And this one, Isaac's just like Yes, I still have the power, father. You know, like, oh, really? <laughs> like, look at me, I'm okay. With no explanation. Expl- and also, he fathered a child. When did that happen? Yeah, well, when was this mad maybe- shagger <laughs> just laying down the cable? You know what I mean? Dr. Stacy Keach mm-hmm. uh, uh, gave him a a, uh, a splint yep. on, his, on his corn cob. <laughs> and... I don't know, crazy. Give him some blue chew, uh, which is not the sponsor of this podcast. It gave him some blue chew and then just let someone ride him. Once again, as if this was Kill Bill. We keep focusing on this, but like, like as if there's some some female version of Buck who likes to fuck, who comes in and rides him like Seabiscuit. It's it's too messy. You know what I mean? That the movie is the movie is messy, and like you're they're bringing Isaac back, and someone has made a decision that we have to bring this character of Isaac back because he is the main character of the first movie, and we have put no thought into how this might make sense, and also we're doing the actually the grand plan overall was that Isaac would have a son, and that son would sleep with the daughter of the firstborn of the Gatlin children and this would be the offspring of that would be essentially the son of he who walks behind the rose and there's nothing in here at all when I'm like that well that you know like even remotely connects to the first movie because I would remember she, that yeah she is the your father's brother's nephew's cousin's <laughs> former roommate of the corn 
Keep firing, assholes. It's a Spaceballs joke here. It is so... It's so muddled. And it got me thinking, like... Someone has wrote this. And then I did a bit of research here, and... John Franklin is involved in a lot of the writing of this. So the the, the wee cunt that plays... Excuse my language. The wee cunt that plays... Isaac here, who's who was too old when he was in Children of the Corn, and is seriously old in this movie. Like it looks like a, like an Asian grandmother. Like he's just all covered in wrinkles, and um, he's like he he part wrote this, and it makes a lot of sense when I think about that because this he is in character in this movie. Like he does not break character at all. He is Isaac, and this is the role that made him famous. So he's come back and created what can only be described as the most convoluted way of returning this character to the franchise. He's swinging around that cousin it clout. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And it doesn't. It doesn't. It do, it's messy. And it's needlessly messy because that like you could strip out at least three or four subplots in this, and it would just feel more organic and more in line with this. It's also like by trying to make it fit too much and by trying to be so reverential of the original movie it essentially brings up questions that don't have answers and that's an issue whereas I never thought about that in any of the other ones before this one and the reason behind that is none of them really connected they didn't bother so yeah like like, (laughs) oh there's other kids from Nebraska who apparently worship a creature in the corn and that's enough. That's literally all you need. It's in a lot of respects. I weirdly, my journey through this is starting to liken this franchise to the Hellraiser franchise, and it holds a lot of similarities. Um, particularly those earlier installments, those earlier kind of like specifically part three, part four, um, hold a lot in line with those. Same studio, uh, I imagine the same writing team behind them, but the idea of what you eventually have at the end of the day is another movie, but it's linked by a box and Pinhead. That's kind of what Children of the Corn movies have become by part six. Even though they're trying to ground it in some respect, it is essentially a movie about someone trying to come back to find out, find their mother within a cult or find out where they've come from. Oh yeah, and by the way, it just so happens that their supernatural powers because of the cornfield and the demon that lives there. And that is, that's, that's like, when you get to that level, it is difficult not to start to feel like the movie itself is, it's kind of half-assed. Which, once again, if you're going to link it back to the first movie, why make it half-assed? Go all in. Make it full-ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? Full-ass. Yeah. Give me both the cheeks. Don't just give me one cheek. You're you're giving me one cheek right now. I don't get I don't get it. And the biggest thing that do you know how many times I like this is ridiculous. Do you know how many times uh, Hannah as a character played by Natalie Ramsey is pulled over in her car or run off the road? Four times in the So movie. many. That's <laughs> four times. Like if I was her, I wouldn't get back in a car. They use that device so many times in this movie that it got to the point where I was like uh, did we not have another idea of what to do here? You know what I mean? It's no, like hallucination, <laughs> another hallucination, another hallucination. So many. Ah! That's a, and that's a that's a in a lot of respects that's a cop out. If you do a lot of them in a movie, it's like we want to do these crazy scenes of horror, but 
They don't really fit in the story, so it's hallucination. And we don't have time. We got to get her to crash her car into the dirt again. <laughs> yeah, and like, oh, that like, see when she crashes her car at the beginning, and the the police officer like basically comes across, takes her documents, goes away, realizes who she is, and then tries to set up this master plan. At that point, I'm like, we are really stretching things here. I'm like, we're really, really, really trying to stretch things here. That doesn't, none of it feels remotely organic. Also, the tone of this one is completely different to the first movie. If you're linking it back to that first movie, make the tones match, and it doesn't. And I think that's a that's one of those things where it becomes a bit painful to watch. The ending of this movie is messy. You know, it's really, really messy because I think they think they're pulling a fast one by making you think that Jesse, who is technically Isaac's son, is, you know, next in line. But out of nowhere, it pulls a fast one. It's like, actually, Gabriel is he who walks beyond the rose. Um, and he is the... And he's called Gabriel, so we should have guessed. Um... Gabriel is actually, he's the guy that's got all the power, and Isaac doesn't really have the power, and I'm like, well, I literally saw Isaac turn a tap on when he come in a room without turning the faucet, so he has power, surely he has power, well, actually, the last time we saw him, he was consumed by the demon in part one, so when did all this happen, and, and you know what the movie does, doesn't bother answering it, nope, well, Isaac walked behind the rose, so Gabriel could run behind the rose, <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. And they don't bother trying to make it make sense. And as a result, I don't care. <laughs> like, it's just like, like, if you could be bothered, even for a second, trying to ground this in some way where it follows on logically from that first movie, don't expect me to care at all about anyone in this movie, which is where I am. And I don't want that because Nancy Allen's in this movie and she is fucking smoking in this movie. She's hot. Right. She's hot with yeah. If you want credit, do the work. Yeah. Always. If you want if you want to try if you want to try and pang on that nostalgia for a movie that came out fifteen years before this one, then do the work. You know what I mean? Make it fit. Like bring I am all for bringing back Isaac. I, I like him as a character. I think he's a ton of fun. I'm all for bringing it back to Gatlin and you know, like the legacy of the children that have now grown up. I'm all down for that. I like that. But put the work in. And they don't do that. So I struggle to enjoy it. I <laughs> uh the second time I went through this, I imagined all of the Isaac parts as cousin it. <laughs> And it made me laugh. Uh, but then I got a little bit more serious and I had a couple drinks and a smoke. And I, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm already starting to forget this movie. Yeah. There's Except whole sections. for the stuff I don't like about it. There's whole sections yeah. of this movie where I'm like, well, I remember that they end up, you know, in these tunnels at the end of the movie. But why did they end up in the tunnels? Well, I can't remember how they got there. I watched this movie last night. And there's about three or four full sections of this movie that are just gone. And that... It's a sad indictment on the movie. And that, it, and that's the problem with not making things fit. When things don't fit, they don't organically stay in your brain. They become quite complicated to try and remember. 
and your brain gets to a point where it's like that. Well, I'm not going to try and remember this. <laughs> like, I mean, this is a Friday night. It's, you know, it's quarter to 11 at night, Duncan. And you want me to try and remember stuff that doesn't fit into the movie it's trying to relate to? Nope. Check, please. <laughs> and that is literally where I am with the movie. On top of that, and I mentioned that at the start, the, the kind of sepia, kind of sandy wash that's all of this movie is fucking nauseating. And it's all of this movie. I get it if you're outside. I don't get it where it's everywhere in this movie. And it's it's to me it's the it's one of those kind of byproducts of this time specifically in cinema. Within three years, it's gonna be a nauseating green colour that's gonna just gonna be in every horror movie for the best part of like five years. But I I don't like it. Also, the score of this movie is fucking shit. Like, the scoring, shit. So, um, I, I, I just, like, the, the further I got into it, this was a first time watching them, and the further I got into it, the more I was just like, what are we, why are we doing this movie? Like, why are we bothering at this point to try and link it back and making such a poor effort overall to try and, like, we're bringing it back to the first movie, but we don't care if it fits within the first movie, and actually no one's interested in it in terms of making this movie. But the fans will love it. It's it, it it's not good. It's not good. I don't like it. I don't yeah, like it. It's messy. It it made us think of other bad movies and that we still wanted to talk about more than this. Yeah, it, there is a part of this which feels on some level like um, Hellraiser Inferno, but Hellraiser okay. Inferno is a movie that I really like. So, you know, it, did, it kind of reminded me of like, we're, oh, we're just like squeezing this back into the franchise, but we're not really doing that. And the reason Hellraiser Inferno is a better movie over this is Cenobite Cowboys. This movie could have so benefited from a couple Cenobite Cowboys. If they're doing ninja spin kicks, hell yeah, Darren Wilson. Hell fucking yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's like overall, it it feels like like a really cynical way to make a Children of the Corn sequel. It's, 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 it, everything about this movie just feels cynically charged and I, 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 don't, I don't feel myself enjoying that. And the sad thing about it is, I do enjoy the performances. I enjoy Stacey Keach in this movie. I like Natalie Ramsey in this movie. I like John Franklin as Isaac back in this movie. Uh, Gabriel's a bit nauseating, but Jesse's <laughs> an interesting character, and Nancy Allen is smoking fucking hot. And then I'm left with a, I'm left with an ending to this movie that even if I had to carry this on, feels silly. Oh yes, I slept with Gabriel, so I'm now impregnated with a demon child, which I must deliver. No, you don't have to deliver the child. You've just found out you're pregnant. There are things, as long as you're not in Texas, there are ways to get rid of this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, get out of Nebraska. <laughs> you get out of Nebraska, go somewhere else, but more liberal. Uh, speak to someone and let's 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 get this sorted. Um, why do you want to abort your child? Well, he's the Antichrist. Well, let's help you right now and let's get this job done. I just, um, I don't know. Well, let's pivot to question number three. I mean, obviously right. this movie totally jumps the shark. It's not the most egregious one for doing it in terms of the run-up to this one, but this one has some cardinal sins, and the biggest cardinal sin about this one is it dares to liken itself or link itself back to the first movie. Um, if you were doing this one, Darren Wilson, and bringing back Isaac, 
what would you have done? How do you fix the glaring issues in this movie? I would have had... If if we're going to have the Hannah character yep. also, or can... Okay. So she's driving into town. Because whatever, you know, teenager trying to find her real parents, blah, 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 blah. Isaac comes out of a fucking cornfield as still a supernatural type creature, hopefully even decompose some with his uh, wounds from the first movie. Mm -hmm. I think we could still have the transfer of power to 1990s haircut guy. Uh, who's going to take over. I think that I would also have removed some of the characters. There's too many dudes that I, I think you could have consolidated some of these characters. Uh, so I'm trying harder to keep track of people mm -hmm. who aren't trying as hard to be memorable. Um, if Isaac is going to come back with those powers... He needs to show a little bit more use of it or how his powers are removing. I know I feel like in the first movie, there is the supernatural. There is a conversation between Isaac and he who walks behind the rose. Yeah. So there could even be him telling him how he's failed him. I've you know, you are not the the child of the prophecy or whatever the fuck. And I have found another. And... I don't know. I I, I, <laughs> I don't think I would have ended it with if I'm going to kill off the person that came that the movie is called their return. Yeah. I think I would have left it there. Yeah. I don't think I would have had the mother of the Antichrist driving off like Sarah Connor. It's <laughs> a total Sarah Connor ending. Oh, my God. It's, it's yeah again that one that time making I, I everybody thinking of a much better movie but yeah yeah like if you're bringing isaac back to this movie after essentially four sequels that didn't bring isaac back i like the idea of almost inverting that well you thought he was the real power guess what he isn't the real power what i don't like is i'm being easily dispatched by telekinesis and a pole he just stabs him and then he's dead. Because the last time I saw him in that first movie, he looked like, like fucking Satan, and everything was yeah. like all hellfire and brimstone around him. That's gotta be Kane. That's gotta <laughs> be Kane. You know what I mean? Like all that around him. I'd like Super Saiyan Isaac. Yeah, like, I I just don't. I don't get that. To me, the easiest fix in this movie, and I think you mentioned it there, is just you. Streamline it. Make it a Children of the Corn movie. This doesn't feel like a Children of the Corn movie. How much time do you actually spend in corn in this movie? Like, yeah, even even minutes, the end of this movie is in a tunnel not surrounded by corn. It's the tunnel they use to transport corn to the hospital yeah. acupuncture center. <laughs> it's just like, like, there's an easy way to fix this and it's just make it a Children of the Corn movie. And this has characters and references things from that Children of the Corn movie, but very little else. So, yeah, that's what I would fix. Uh, Dan Wilson, you either have to recommend this movie or not recommend this movie, but pick a scene 
from the movie to justify your stance. What say thee? Mm. I don't know who I would tell needs to watch this movie. <laughs> An enemy. Yeah. <laughs> <Hey>, go. <laughs> like you want to watch a movie that feels long for an hour and twenty minutes. <laughs> Uh, you can watch. I would do a supercut of all the times that she wrecks her forty mile an hour <laughs> car in a cornfield and dirt, overreacting. And uh, I mean, those old vintage cars, unless they do something to it, you can't just whip it around like that. So no, I would have no. all those, all those supercuts of that, and then as a treat the one time that uh what's his face is it jake jacob who's the the fake out son of oh yeah jesse jesse would do the uh the sickle head dive thing just be like there you go and now you don't need to see any more of the movie yeah we are out we are (laughs) yeah i wouldn't recommend this movie at all i think it's one of those ones where it it is painfully trying to get you in by look at this shiny thing this thing was in the first movie look how we're trying to link it back but once you're actually through the door there isn't there's nothing in there it's an empty room and that's kind of this movie it's an empty room it doesn't really have anything going for it that makes me want to spend any time there um and i i think one of the worst scenes in the movie overall is the end it's the end it's gabriel like Listen to your dude, you know, and I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> Dickhead or yeah, whatever um, other dumb shit he says. Oh, randomly. like, kill with fire. It's, all that stuff is so just, it's painful to watch and it dates horribly. You know, we're, we're what, we're tw- uh, 22 years on from when this movie came out. That feels so to say that, actually. That feels really so to say that. And, like, watching it is just, it, it, it's fucking horrible. <laughs> it's just not a good movie. Um, as Children of the Corn sequels go, it's not the worst one I've seen. But at the same time, this one is the one that you put all your eggs in one basket. You went out your way to bring back Isaac and give it the name 666. This movie better be fucking killer. And it isn't. So, yeah. Dern, we have to score this motherfucker, right? It is one through five. One is hated it. Two is didn't like it. Three is liked it. Four is really liked it. Five is loved it. What are you giving? Children of the Corn, 666, Isaac's Return. I think I would give it a a one, (laughs) if if not a half. (laughs) I will never watch it again unless for some reason I'm going to talk about it on a podcast. Oh, you! Uh, I love it. I love it. lean into it. Fuck this, mate. No. Yeah, it's it's not it's not the curse of Michael Myers score. I don't think. What did yeah. we give that one? A zero. I th- yeah, Zed? it's, just, it's, it's, it's no, like, not. Didn't even yeah. didn't even get grady because yeah. it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't if it was like an offspring of mine on fire, pissing it to take 
the flames away. <laughs> That's how bad that fucking movie is. I hate it. <laughs> like I hate it. Worth the fire of a thousand suns. Uh, this is this doesn't get that higher. I hear what you're saying with the one. I'm going to go slightly higher. Uh, because I've okay. seen worse ones and you've not seen them all yet and I have to give myself room to go low uh, but I'm not going much higher it's a 1.5 it sits between I hated it and I didn't like it I I'm with you I'll never watch this movie again which is sad because I don't want to live in a world where Na Nancy Allen is in a movie and I don't want to watch that movie again that makes me upset genuinely makes yeah. me upset love her love her and she is really good in this movie it's just a fucking awful movie and it goes to show how bad hollywood is when we're at what like 12 13 years removed from robocop and she's in this yeah that's a shame that's a shame man. i'll watch robocop again yeah robocop is so Instead. good man so good so good um darren wilson you do uh, uh a plethora of interesting things online you're an avid podcaster and uh, i enjoy your stuff and i will one day get things sorted out that i can come back on <laughs> like, like the problem is the problem is it's always left in my capable hands and then i am shit um and like capable hands is a joke because they are not capable uh, let the listeners out there know where they can check out your awesome content online Alphabetically, there is the Psychosemantic podcast. Uh, that is Psychosemantic, one word, pretty much everywhere, except for on Twitter, where I do most of my uh, Zuckerberg uh, questionable pictures on there. Because uh, <laughs> you never know what's going to bother him. Uh, so that is at Political Movies on Twitter. And then Psychosemantic everywhere else. Uh, we've got Discord now, because anything. Anyway. Uh, also, the VD Clinic podcast, mm -hmm. that is VD Clinic Pod. Uh, that is less, well, that is a little bit more organized because my partner over there is a wonderful person called Vanessa McHenry, and she sort of keeps that ship sailing a bit straighter than Psychosemantic often does. Mm -hmm. And that is VD Clinic Pod uh, everywhere. Both are on the Legion Podcast Network or in Google. And. <laughs> You'll you'll find them in your favorite podcast places. Nice, nice. I want to thank Dan Wilson for joining me on Children of the Corn. Six, six, six. Isaac's return, ladies and gents. We're going to take a very short break, and I'm going to be right back right after this. <laughs> You're listening to the podcast under the stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode 330. On this episode, doing the second of three planned episodes into the Children of the Corn franchise as part of our Russian Roulette franchise retrospective. The second instalment covered Children of the Corns 4 through 6. A massive thanks to the guest hosts that joined me on this episode. There's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. Wherever you're listening to us right now, hit subscribe. That way you get the shows as and when they drop and access to the entire back catalogue of Teapot's content. Don't stop there, though. We have a secondary feed, a sister feed, if you will, which has four shows that I run over there called Where to Begin With, Opera Omnia, Doing the Nasty, and Chronicle. That feed is called the Teapot's Collective, and subscribing to that one as well as this is the best way to support what I do under the stairs. 
You can, of course, if you hate podcatchers, jump across to our website, tputzcast.com. Links to all the shows are there, as well as a link to a special bonus show called Jaws is Shite and Other Regrettable Outbursts. It's a booze-based banter entertainment podcast featuring myself, The Baz, and Scott and Liam from Scott and Liam vs. Evil, where four Scotsmen get drunk, they try and solve the world's problems, which we have never tried to do. We uh, talk about terrible life choices of which we have a never-ending supply. We do weird news stories from around the world. You know the world is weird, so we've got plenty of that. And we read out your listener emails to boot, so don't be shy, get them in. Jaws is shite, another regrettable outburst, exclusively available on teaputscast.com. If you're on Facebook and you want to interact with me there, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teaputscast for the podcast under the stairs. Teaputs Collective is just simply a Facebook page, so it's just facebook.com forward slash teaputscast. And to interact with the mucky pups over at Jaws's Shite and Other Regrettable Outbursts, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash regrettable pod. If you hate Facebook, and I can't blame you, and you use Instagram or Twitter, and you want to interact with myself and the Baz on the Twin Prongs or social media sexness, then at teaputscast will put you in touch on both those platforms. The podcast Under the Stairs is coming back with you in two days' time when myself and Derek Bourgeois continue our look through the Arrow Video Gamera box set. We're making the second planned stop in this series with Gamera vs. Baragon. It was a bizarre, strange, fun little conversation about a bizarre, strange, fun little movie, so hopefully you check that out when it drops on Saturday. And until then, wherever you are, what the time zone is and what you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs, and I am signing off.